not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 61 and this is the Mammoth Articon podcast that uh, I, I hope you've all been waiting for but I, I do apologise in advance for it being a little delayed. Um, uh, I, I was delayed, I should say. Uh, it's been a very busy time for me since Articon, um, which now is about a month ago. So uh, I can I can only apologise for the delay with this one. But uh, as you'll see, this is a massive mammoth Articon podcast, which hopefully will uh, take in uh, pretty much everything that happened over the Articon weekend, uh, including uh, the doubles tournament as well, uh, which I'm partnering up with Michael Haskell once more. So we'll hear from Michael later, as well as plenty of different opponents throughout this massive weekend uh, in Manchester. Uh, if you don't know much about Articon, um, it's one of, if not the biggest, uh, Middle-earth strategy battle game tournament in the world. Uh, people travel all over the world to get here, uh, including, I believe, Australians, Americans, lots of Europeans as well, uh, and there may even be other people from other parts of the world, but I don't know all about them. But either way, plenty of people there. Uh, it's uh, maybe Canadians as well. I don't want to exclude you guys. Uh, North Americans. Um, and yes, it's it's, it's great. Uh, it's good environment. Hottest weekend ever. Um, and I'm recording this after the fact. So um, apologies if I sort of uh, allude to something that um, you're, you're kind of, I'm teasing your head to. But anyway, um, so essentially, this is the big one. Um, this is kind of what I've been working towards with the uh, with the Easterlings, and uh, I, I'm wanting to make something amazing. I'm wanting to do what I've been dreaming of doing for so many episodes of uh, reaching that uh, elusive four wins and two losses. There's six games in the tournament. Uh, it's 650 points in total. Um, and I'm hoping that I'll, I can win four out of my uh, six games. We shall see. Um, I think I have slightly done it before, but um, there was one time where I did more draws and, uh, and another time where it's, it was all a bit ropey and I can't remember the details. But anyway, um, this, this is the one that I wanted to do well at because it's a really big tournament if you start doing well at this tournament um it the the sort of the level of um skill that that you play against it just elevates so quickly you know just by one one win uh, at the start or, or after a while you know it, it becomes just because of numbers it becomes a much more tricky field uh, just because of the pure numbers I, I don't remember exactly how many uh, players were at Articon this year but either way it was uh, it was certainly um, well over 100 I, I think it's pushing 150 160 maybe even more um so uh, exciting news about that um i i I apologise in advance. I haven't yet recorded an interview with James Clark, uh, but that doesn't mean it won't appear at the end of the podcast by the time I've finished recording. So we'll see. Um, but uh, I, there just wasn't time uh, during the the course of the uh, course of the event to have a chat with the organiser James Clark. Uh, he's been on the podcast a few times before. I know he would have been up for it, but. I just didn't find a moment where it looked like he wasn't run off his feet uh, and to be honest that I wasn't run off my feet exhausted by the heat uh, and just wanting a drink of water at various points because this was as I say one of the hottest weekends of the year in the UK so with that in mind let's get on with it oh and also I'm not doing um, the uh, I'm not going to do the um, 
Riddle in the Dark this episode, just purely because uh, there's going to be so much in here anyway. Um, but I will put the riddle at the end of the podcast. So if you uh, want to get in touch about that, uh, get in touch, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. If you think you know who speaks next and what they say after the clip. And tell you what, actually, I'll just play it now quickly uh, and then uh, then we'll, we'll get on with things. So this is the clip. Who speaks next? What do they say? Okay, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. This is the same one from last month, so uh, there'll be a few uh, emails already. But uh, if you haven't got in touch, there's still time. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Also, keen on your opinions of the army, which I'm going to build now. So, yes, uh, we mentioned it's the Easterlings. Uh, I mentioned I've been trying to make Easterlings great again. Um, I've uh, also obviously been using the uh, Dragon Emperor a lot in the last few episodes and um, I'm probably going to wind down the Easterlings after this tournament but they will probably make a make a reappearance at some point but either way uh, this is the time to try and prove uh, whether I can do it um, more than more than the list so uh, let's see what can happen so we're starting as I mentioned with the Dragon Emperor this is for the main event by the way um, we'll discuss later on with Michael uh, what's going on in the doubles and we'll flick backwards and forwards between doubles uh, and singles just to, to keep things fresh but the main focus here for me right now is the uh, is the host of the Dragon Emperor which is the Legendary Legion so uh, 35 models 650 points first of all we've got the Dragon Emperor 170 points he's a big beat stick he's got all the buffs he's got all the potential for killing stuff um, but he just needs to be used correctly and it's difficult it's very difficult uh, he's got with him 10 Black Dragon Warriors with Pike and Shield 5 Black Dragons with Shield uh, 2 Black Dragon Cataphracts and 1 Cataphract uh, Black Dragon Cataphract with drum of course the black dragon upgrade is free so fill them up with black dragons that's what i say uh next war band is going to be the dragon knight uh with an armored horse of course 80 points he's got three warriors with pike and shield or black dragons of course for free uh, because of the legion bonus affects the dragon knights as well and three with shield so not the kind of traditional pike block here um i think this is more to do with maths than anything else um but it also helps that you can you know you can have a three wide front line with spears uh, at fight four um if you get caught in maelstrom or something like that um, and finally, we've got Warband, two, uh, Warband uh, the, the Third, led by Brogir the Conjurer. 80 points he is. Uh, and with him is the traditional Warband, uh, not really designed by function, but more by uh, by sort of availability. Um, I've got six Dragon Cult Acolytes here for 11 points apiece, and two Eastling Warriors with bow. And I say by sort of... Uh, it's by necessity really because um, uh, I still haven't finished enough actual Forge World Black Dragons to create an army of the kind that I I have built here so I've been using just um, Eastling Black Dragons um, which are painted sort of you know with black and all that sort of stuff which nobody has a problem with uh, usually Um, but this uh, this warband led by Borgir is just basically so that I can say all of my Black Dragons uh, sorry, all of my Easterling warriors are black dragons, uh, except the bows. And then nobody gets confused because the bows either die or stand really far back. Um, so it doesn't really ever get confusing. So uh, that's the way I've done it. And it just meant that I've got a weird warband with Borgir and six Strangle Acolytes, who, by the way, 
are still good. Like um, I thought at one point, now they're two more points um, compared with a, a Black Dragon with Pike and Shield in the Dragon Emperor's Warband. So it, they feel a little bit more expensive than they did um, when Black Dragons were 11 points as well. Um, but they're just... They're just good. They're really handy. They've got six throwing weapons. It's just so handy to have. Um, the the pressure that you can apply by, by sort of you know trapping something with three dragon cult acolytes and three pikes behind or two pikes behind each. The power is is incredible. Uh, you know, and especially you can um, <clears throat> you can do a, a I don't know a blade wrath or something on on one of them as well to to really uh, kill something or put the pressure on something largely. Um, so there you go that's my army um it's got uh, a fair amount of might but not loads it's got three from the dragon emperor two from Broadgear, and two from the dragon knight of course though he does have blood and glory but the handy thing about having two points of might on Broadgear is you get those moves from Broadgear. um so they're kind of disposable mites um i haven't ever used a channeled um spell with Broadgear yet um and of course the the, the cataphract with the drum helps save might as well to marches so I don't often find that I'm, I'm out especially at 650 points 35 models as well uh, two bows and six uh, acolytes with throwing weapons so there's a fair amount of juice in here and this is pretty much the same as some of the armies that I've spoken about in previous podcasts uh, maybe a, a few points uh, up or down um, it's basically the same I think I've gone with a little bit more cavalry here um not not necessarily because um i feel it's desperately needed but um i felt like i wanted to try it out and um and also i I mentioned that point about having everything as a black dragon in the dragon emperor's warband and i just didn't have enough warriors so sometimes uh sometimes necessity creates the list and i think this work will work quite well it also means you've got three um cataphracts in the same warband who gain the um the shield wall gleaming horde glittering horde or whatever it is um special bonus rules so you get higher defense cataphracts and stuff especially to protect that drum which is often a big target so with that in mind i mentioned we're not doing um uh, riddle in the dark this episode so we're going to crack on with the tournament itself there's lots to get through um so we'll start with episode with part one which will be my first game in the main event and then we'll move on to doubles and we'll flip-flop back and forwards uh, to hopefully build some tension as we move through the tournament and i'll try and chip in every so often just to keep a, a tally for you of exactly where we are uh, in terms of wins and losses and so on but with that in mind let's head to the tables I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! It's a game one of the big international at uh, Ardacon and we're playing Domination against uh, Jakob Krochmal who I believe we've certainly played a few times uh, and we've talked to you after you've won a couple of tournaments as well. Uh, Just first of all, Give us a rundown of your army list because this is one that we've sort of encountered before. So my army list is uh, Rivendell and Army of Lake Town, which is uh, Glorfindel, Curden, Old Bilbo, and a few elves on Rivendell's side, and then a typical combo of Master Bragan, Alfred, uh, and just a mass of dudes. Yeah, a lot of dudes. Uh, and what, 40-plus models? Yeah, 44, exactly. Yeah, Exactly 44. So uh, we're playing Domination, so you do have the, the numbers advantage here, but I know uh, against the Pikes and the, the Easterlings that they, they, they don't necessarily always have the advantage. What was your plan here? 
So my plan was, first of all, to just avoid Dragon Emperor fighting anyone because of his huge base and because we had a lot of ruins on our board. I managed to do this, then used one choke point of Glorfindel and few elven pikes to grind down Easterlings, fight them, and on the other side uh, try to push them, try to get towards objectives. I didn't want to have Easterlings defending on objectives because it's so difficult to kill them all. Uh, so I kind of backed off and then tried to retake them, mm. which ha which was successful, like with Glorfindel, who could heroic combat off and with my only one other cavalry model, retake all the back objectives. Yeah, it was it was a it was a tricky one for me to do here. And um, the as you, as you mentioned, this ruins uh, sort of block in the middle. There was a what six or seven inches gap between uh, one of the ruins, and you successfully defended that really very well for quite a long time. But it it, there, it came a point where I, I had all uh, sort of three of the objectives, and I was I was breaking or very close to breaking, uh, and I was thinking that maybe I, I might be able to keep some of those objectives if if the game ended at the right time because it was a twenty five percenter. But uh, it, how did you sort of encounter? Or sort of, I suppose how did you get round that potential issue? Oh yes, I. Uh so getting around this potential issue is first of all you just need to realize that the opponent is trying to do this mm -hmm. and then it's just the way of because my army is quite prone to this kind of tactics because I have very little very few shields on my models mm -hmm. I actually have I think three shields on my list uh, so what I need to do is uh, try to engage like two models with one guy, use the shields to the maximum, strike at horses, use unarmed models mm. like uh, Alfred at two models who can't kill anything good and Master of Lake Town and then just hoping to not roll well enough to, to kill stuff. Mm. So I, I can't do this infinitely but for a few turns it worked and it gave me the time I needed to reclaim the back objectives. Yeah, and, and of course, I, I tried some cheeky things like um, uh, uh, do it rolling courage checks first, but I made a miscalculation. I wrote down in my uh, my book that uh, Brogge had four will, which he has five, uh, and I'd spent two and then another two, thinking that I'd exhausted my fury uh, so that I might be able to make a few guys run. Uh, but <laughs> so clearly, bookkeeping is a is a, a, a failure of mine there. But I tried all these different tactics like stabbing and fainting to reduce my fight value uh, where I could to try and get them to die quicker. But I think, I think in the end it was probably one turn too late to, to get any victory points off you uh, and two or three turns too late to, to get a, maybe a draw or something like that. But either way, I think you had a commanding uh, lead um, once, once the lines had clashed and, and basically a lot of my Easterlings died quite quickly because your fight five was very good and I wasn't really killing anything back. Yeah, I was quite surprised because usually my encounter against this sort of army with fight five, with a banner, a lot of dice, needing to roll a six, I don't really kill that stuff. Mm. But here it kind of happened. Like in this choke point, Glorfindel was killing one or two models a turn. And then when I had the numerical advantage, they couldn't see the Dragon Emperor through the ruin. I could trap them, so trapping is really the key to key Easterlings. Also, I've played, actually played the Dragon Emperor's Legion just two weeks ago in a tournament, uh, and I kind of knew what to expect, knew how to play, so I used this. If someone haven't met it, 
uh, it's much harder. Yeah, the the, the, the ruin was a was a big big part of this game. The, uh, you mentioned already the choke points, uh, also the blocking of the line of sight for the banner, and and it, it allowed it meant that the, I had to kind of choose where my fight five and the banner was because because of the line of sight and things like that. So it was very tricky for me, and, and of course the the emperor didn't get into combat at all pretty much until the the very last few turns. But as it turned out, uh, you ended up with a was it seven or eight eight nil victory? It's nine nil. Nine nil. Sorry, uh, nine nil victory, and you've got an oath because there are oaths that we have to do uh, during this uh, this tournament. Uh, there's one that's a sort of random additional objective and two that involve uh, killing heroes or your leader killing uh, something and you chose to try and kill the Dragon Knight. Yes, I've, I knew, I know the Dragon Knight is very fragile. He can easily like take a wound from especially if I had supports with fight five. So that, that's what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Like first fight, Dragon Knight took a wound from four guys and then I managed to get him with a Bilbo with a ring and just kill him yeah. and I, I needed to handle Dragon Knight anyway because he's very good at killing stuff quickly he's a very yeah. efficient hero he absolutely is very efficient sadly not that efficient this time but uh, Jakob congratulations it's a major win for you 9-0 and your oath uh, and you'll be staying up in this slightly cooler uh, top floor where there's uh, a balcony overlooking the rest of the tournament so best of luck for the rest of the tournament best of luck to you Harry as well thank you just before we move into the doubles, uh, as we mentioned there with Jakob, tricky player, Jakob. He's very good player, very good player. Uh, congratulations on the win, 9-0 uh, win there uh, to Jakob. Uh, we touched on the oaths um, the, that I forgot to mention at the start of the podcast. Essentially, you have uh, a few different oaths um, in, to select from each game uh, during the main event at Ardicon. And these give you an extra tournament point. I think it's five points for a win and then six for a... Uh, a win with an oath and you get an extra point if you're drawn and lost as well so you can get minor or major loss and all these sorts of things um, and essentially the oaths are master tactician which was uh, essentially you add a random objective marker uh, after uh, after everything else has been done essentially uh, and if you have more models uh, within six of the objective at the end of the game you get the tournament point you can do send a message which is killer the most expensive enemy model in your opponent's force that isn't their leader um, and you can do duelist which is have your leader kill an enemy hero model in combat so throughout the tournament I'll be selecting uh, one of three of these um, but the opponent gets to veto one of them first so so if they if I go well okay my uh, dragon emperor is going to absolutely destroy uh, uh, you know your I don't know captain led force um, then they'll go no not going to let you do duelist um, but then I still get to choose send a message which is kill the most uh, you know expensive non-leader model or objectives etc 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 so in that one with Jakob I chose the domination one uh, which is probably a bad move um, but he'd vetoed um, uh, something like the most expensive um, army uh, most expensive enemy model which wasn't their leader because Glorfindel um, is is pretty good but anyway something like that um, so I, that's just just a bit of context for you for the rest of the game now let's set up the army with Michael Haskell in the doubles and we'll hear about our first game in the doubles before we flip flop back to game number two of the main event we return to the big hall at the Mercure Hotel uh, once more in the centre of Manchester with its, its gleaming chandeliers hanging from the ceiling ready for another weekend of Articon tournament prep. Uh, we've got the doubles for two days now, so it's Thursday now and uh, Friday tomorrow of course. That's two days of three games with my regular doubles partner, the return of Michael Haskell. Welcome to the podcast once more. Hello, I'm grateful you're going to put up with me yet again. Yeah. And your dice roll. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, I'm sure we'll, fe uh, we'll uh, have a chat 
about that at some point throughout the uh, weekend. You might not be in every post-game, but uh, we'll try and get you into most of them, depending on time. And, but uh, we haven't yet touched on the, the full army, uh, the force that we're taking. So we've got both got 350 points to spend, and we decided to go with a bit of a theme. We did indeed, because you've been doing um, a lot on the Easterlings and you've got the Dragon Emperor and you wanted to boost the Easterlings. It just seemed to make sense to use all the new toys that came in the defence of the North book. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to field the Dragon Emperor, it made sense for me to field the new Mordor heroes, Mm. so Razgush and Musgar. Yeah, Razgush and Musgar, and... um Sort of a smattering of orcs, a couple of Moranans, I think, did you get? And a number uh, more. Oh, is it all just Mordor orcs? Anyway, whatever no, they no, are. It's a Moranan orcs and Moranan orcs and some gribbly spiders. Gribbly spiders, which is, I, I think, something that I, I suggested because um, you yeah. don't have the spider models, but I thought, oh, well, we can bring these. So let's do, let's just squeeze a couple of spiders of each variety in. So two Mirkwood and two great spiders or uh, giant yeah, spiders no. into the mix. So I, I, I mean, I like the mix here. I think it, it feels like we've got a lot of tools in the uh, toolbox. We've got big emperor. Uh, I've got a cataract with a drummer to, to be able to move because a lot of the double scenarios involve sort of being split up. Um, and then we've got black dragons and we've got uh, y- your spiders. There's magic as well with Musgur and, and two relatively big hitters. feels like a decent list. It is a decent list. And, and to some extent we're taking our cue because I played doubles with Jamie Wiggins at um, World two or three weeks ago in a similar combination Mm. and so we learnt a lot from that and one in particular was the fact that we needed a drum Mm. because so many of the double scenarios your your, your forces split um, start in a split position so you need one to be able to move a bit more quickly to match up with the other one but having the spiders as well just gives you a few outriders gives you a bit of flexibility a bit Mm. of option so yeah it's a nice it's a a nice blend and that banner on the Dragon Emperor is going to be so crucial yeah absolutely of course the fight value fight five at this point level is very handy um, especially in split army and because we found last year I think we, we had Ugluk scouts and so and you led the orc contingent and, uh, and I led the Urukai I can't remember maybe it was the other way around but we found that because the animosity uh, relies on them both being mixed together the orcs and Urukai we found that we were split up so often weren't yeah. we because of all the objectives so we uh, tried to counter that a little bit this time yeah we did indeed and I think we have done I think the, mm. co- the combination we've come up here the blend we've come up here I think should stand us in reasonably good stead I hope so and well we'll see how it goes we've got 170 points of Dragon Emperor we've got the big orc hero got the spiders we've got the magic we're ready to go let's uh, let's go for the rest of the tournament good luck michael game on game on so game one of the doubles playing duel of wits uh, which if you've never played the doubles one it's divided up into quarters both halves of your army so each uh, doubles partner gets to deploy sort of opposite cor- corners and you each choose a hero to try and kill but you keep it secret from your teammate. Uh, it's also points for banners and all that sort of stuff. We're playing Romain and uh, Pierre, uh, who've both travelled from France, is that right? Or am I yeah. getting wrong? Yeah, so um, uh, first of all, uh, guys, um, we, just tell us a little bit about your army. What, what, what have you brought in your army? Oh, we brought uh, a lot of goblins and the water. Yeah, in fact. <laughs> yeah that's, that is pretty much it. I mean, you've got uh, Derbers and Groblog and, and some yeah, bats and as well. Um, but uh, obviously... So you, this one it divides your army in half, and one of your arm, uh, one of your forces is is a little bit smaller, and um, because the the watcher is in it, uh, how how did you plan? What was your big plan for the for the game? How did you hope to win? Uh, luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we tried to assassinate uh, heroes with uh, the watcher and the bats, right. and uh, trying to survive with Grobog. He has uh, he's got the strike, heroic strike, heroic defense, so three point of uh, might, so he can try to survive a little bit yeah yeah i think we we kind of uh knew that you were gonna focus on one of our two forces and we hope that with the watcher we could like impede you 
tried to block you, but well, it turns out it didn't work <laughs> so well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think because it was the uh, the first turn that the Watcher did turn up, and he he landed pretty much slap bang on top of the Dragon Emperor, uh, in the midst of my guys, which had already marched into pretty much the center by that point. So I, I think that that was a, a slight downside for you, is that we were already quite yeah. close to the center. Yeah, of course. Um, if uh, the Watcher had uh, appeared uh, on turn one, I think he would have been just in front of uh, your army mm -hmm. in order to block uh, the Emperor. Yeah. He would have, you would have killed it, but it would take a long time and the Emperor would be quite far from the center, I think. Yeah, and, uh, and a depleted it, on might. It, it, it was the goal. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a great idea. I think it just it was that first priority roll, wasn't it, essentially? Because yeah, if, yeah. if you'd have won that first priority roll, um, the Eastlings wouldn't have been able to march so far forward into the centre. Your, your, your watcher would have landed in the right spot and, and delayed things quite significantly. And, and crucially, then, your, your uh, goblins would have been able to do a lot more work against, uh, against Michael's orcs. Yeah, and uh, we tried things with the tentacles, but shooting was not for this day. No, this game. Yeah. no, I think you rolled a two and a three, or think so. uh, just no, maybe two, two, two and the, one, two yeah, and one. Yeah, so not great shooting from the from the watcher, and and of course because he didn't have strike and uh, the emperor yeah. was there, he, he he went down in a couple of turns, which was which really put you on the back foot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, fight six, fight six against fight six, you've got heaven weapon, so mm -hmm. strike was useful, but. It, not necessary. Yeah, it wasn't essential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I just wanted to guarantee it because yeah, I'd chosen. If you cho if you lose the fight, the emperor would be dead. Yeah, exactly. That that was my concern. Attacks, one point of fight. Yeah, he, he'd have he'd have done him uh, done him good. But I, I also I'd chosen the watcher, which may be a, a considered a risky option. But I'd chosen the watcher to try and kill because my logic here was that I thought you're going to throw the watcher definitely into combat, whereas your other heroes can maybe stand back. Yeah. Do you think that was the right move? Uh, I think it was a good move because the Watcher had to fight. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah uh, we, we made the same choice because we chose uh, both Razgush. We knew the Emperor would be hard to defeat. So Razgush had to fight, not mm -hmm. Mosgo. So we tried Razgush, trying. he uh, has only one point of fight. Mm -hmm. So one lucky shot, yeah. something like that. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly, which is uh, sensible. But I think, I guess the problem here was that um, both Michael uh, uh, and you uh, were, were cut out of the game for a lot of the time. We, 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 us guys were fighting in the corner uh, yeah, and you guys yeah, were yeah. just taking a long time to get uh, to meet up with us. Yeah, that's the thing with Goblin. I mean, you've got short legs, so yeah. <laughs> took some time and we knew that when the Watcher was dead that the game was pretty much over because you would... Uh, like rampage on the goblins and yeah. yeah. But despite that, you did you did play really well defensively, castling up in the middle. There were some ruins that you cleverly defended because the aim of the game is to get those heroes that the enemy have targeted into the middle six inches. So yeah. you did do, do all that. You had two shamans in the middle, groblog in the middle, Derbos was pretty much in the middle. Yeah. So it, it, you did a, a cracking job of defending up that. But I think just the the way the VPs were scored in this mission, we already had two points for the banner on the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. The emperor is very hard to kill, uh, and Musk a uh, uh, just he didn't really get into the fight, so he was never really at yeah. risk, was he? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, Razgush uh, managed to get in the center zone at the, the, the last final turn. Yeah, final he turn, combated into yeah. into the very yeah. center, so it was it was it was very close. But either way, I think it ended up being a, a six-two victory. So we had the banner, we had uh, Razgush in the center, and we'd killed the Watcher. Uh, Michael had uh, opted to try and kill. Uh, Groblog, who who he narrowly avoided wounding in the the final turn uh, to a spider. But either way, guys, it was a really really great way to start the weekend, and uh, best of luck for the rest of your games. Oh yeah, it was a really good game. Great, thank you. Really good game. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's return to the main event. 
Game number two, uh, we're playing Recon, and it's a, it's another a game against the Norwegian Kenneth, and playing Recon against his Boromir-led force. But what else have we got in the army? Uh, in, so the army is pretty simple. It's Boromir, uh, Hurin on horse, uh, Madril, and all the warriors are either Fancor Guard or Rangers with spears, and one of Skilly veterans. <laughs> yeah, and you've got and, a few knights as well. Yeah, four knights. Four, four knights, knights which, is, yeah. which is pretty cool as well. So Recon... Um, what, what did you what did you think uh, or did you have a plan did you know how you how you were going to fare in this game what, what was your yeah, what was your outlook so at the start my, my initial plan was because I, I got to choose deployment zones so I but, but the board is pretty si similar on both sides uh, I tried to block the my plan was to block the middle there's two buildings with a gap between like six inches six yeah, inch gap yeah. or something and then it's a fence on the other side with uh, this sort of yeah fenced off area with difficult no not not difficult right but there was like a little field yeah, yeah 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 so two two holes to block up with uh, troops and that was my plan putting Boromir into the center and trying to march up a couple of guys on on the the flank with no troops on so that was my plan after you deployed yeah yeah absolutely so because so, obviously recon you came on first but i i think i you, you mighted to get some of your guys on, and I waited a turn with for, for Brogir and his friends. But, yeah. but yeah, you you you're quite right to point out these two um, anchor points in the middle, these two gaps, essentially two six-inch holes uh, that we were trying to break through. And crucially here, uh, as you say, you've got the fight five as well, and the and the very high defence. But also you have a little bit more killing power with your with a with uh, with Boromir and also with your Hurin and some lances. Yeah, yeah, Hurin and the knights did. Did a really good job on the on the flank. I think they killed about eight guys together. Yeah, or something. I think uh, Huron yeah. killed four in yeah. in one heroic combat, yeah. and yeah. then the other guys uh, mopped up a good few more. So yeah. it was it was pretty tough. That that made made that flank. I, I pretty much decided I'm going to try and block up the middle as much as possible. I'm not going to kill Boromir. I didn't think I would, um, and I, I'll try and hold the center to stop the flow through the middle. And then I'll break through the left. I sent most of my troops to the left-hand side, uh, over towards Huron's flank. And then uh, my most of the most of my troops then died in that that corner. So I, I didn't have really anything to crack through uh, with. And the emperor ended up getting in in combat in the end and, and doing some work. But by then it was far too late. I was still only just over the halfway point of the board edge, and and my drum had been sniped by a bow as well. So it was all it was all quite quite tricky, an uphill battle for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after. One of the, f yeah, the fourth turn or something, I did a really ballsy risky move with Boromir. He lost his horse and almost got killed, but he survived. Yes, that was that was a good one because yeah. he, he basically did a heroic combat from a pike and over into uh, some more guys. So he's behind enemy lines and uh, the Dragon Knight was there, uh, Brogir was there or nearby and um, essentially uh, I won the heroic move off and surrounded Boromir and, and fenced him off so nobody else could really get in there. And I thought I'll throw the Dragon Knight in there and strike and hope that I'll take a mic point or maybe two off Boromir not really expecting to kill him or, or do much damage and then you rolled the one on the strike yeah yeah it was it was a ter terrible roll you got fight 10 I had fight 8 you won the fight and just piled attacks on me but some somehow he survived yeah, yeah. I, I think I had um, I had the dragon knight and three or four uh, two acolytes plus two pikes uh, and the dragon knight onto Boromir so and he was trapped and I, I thought Wow, this is this is brilliant. I'm going to probably kill him here. And uh, I took his horse out first with one of the pikes, and then um, proceeded to uh, only take one wound in total. You were very good with your fate rolls. I think all of them yeah. were passed. 
Yeah, so after all my fate was spent, I had two wounds left. So yeah. that was a really good one. And two might points as yeah. well, I think. So, And after that, the, the Dragon Knight was spent, sort of. He was out of might and soon after, at least. Yeah, so, yeah I think I spent one of the might to, yeah. to bump up a wound. And also that the Emperor seemed to... Because you were shuffling the Emperor back and forth to support both, both flanks with the banner. Mm. Uh, and so I think that might have helped me that he didn't commit to combat at any one of the flanks. Yeah, I was I was very wary of, of Boromir's fight seven with uh, with the Dragon Emperor, and of course, so much might on Boromir means he's he's going to he's going to outstrike me uh, more, for more turns, and I I didn't want to commit him until I'd taken out some of Boromir's might, which is why I charged a Dragon Knight in, and yeah. um, and. Um, but then once I dehorsed him, I was less scared. So, so um, the, the emperor went up to the left flank to hopefully push through where Huron had uh, had done a lot of damage, and, and the, the guys were a bit thinner there. But it, it was uh, you're right. The fact that I was going backwards and forwards meant, yeah, meant the, he just yeah it. he only he only fought maybe two three two, combats two yeah two combats yeah. Mad real and Huron he killed two heroes yeah he <laughs> killed both the heroes he did all right yeah. but uh, I did have to spend all my three might to do it um, because he. He rolled, he, he rolled four high on both dice. It was very annoying. But anyway, he, he did kill Kieran, which was one of which was my oath, uh, and you had to try and kill the Dragon Knight, which was your oath as well. Yeah. And it ended up with a, uh, I think it was ten one, ten one victory to you. Yeah. Six of my models got off. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a sneaky knight going that <laughs> knight going through the forest. So that was a lucky one. Yeah. He did take a while to get there, but he yeah. got there. <laughs> and uh, I think the the thing here was the the deployment meant that uh, most of my stuff was boxed off yeah. on the right but there's a big forest in the yeah. sort of center of my deployment zone yeah, or that was my reasoning for choosing my side because you have a woodland piece of woodland almost in the middle of your deployment yeah. zone yeah so it was actually it was a good a good yeah. choice there for, for you to to start in the side but but yeah so i just never really had a chance to catch up though with those guys unless i maybe committed a couple of cataphracts or the dragonite or something like that but uh, i decided early on I'll, I'll focus all my troops to try and break through somewhere and then mm. you know hopefully i'll be able to crack through and do the same but uh, alas cracking through fountain court uh, <laughs> with a, a with a boromir flag was probably a, a, a misjudgment on my part either way uh, congratulations on the win 10-1 to you and a Another loss for me, so that's yeah. two losses for the tournament. But I can get four in a row and maybe maybe do the positive yeah, win-loss yeah, ratio. Yeah. It was well, a pleasure playing to you. Yeah, uh, you yeah, cracking game again, Kenneth. And yeah. best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Thank you. You too. Now back to the doubles. So game two of the doubles, and we're playing No Escape. Uh, now this is one that essentially uh, each half of your army is deployed in the centre. So uh, the leading warband, which is my Dragon Emperor, deploys on the middle of a six-inch line, uh, and the opposing forces, Boromir and Co, uh, deployed uh, on the same six-inch line, but sort of flipped over the other side, and then we're each pinned uh, in the centre by the other half uh, of the, uh, the, the the army. So uh, Michael and I were playing Kenneth and Marius, uh, who travelled all the way from Norwegian. Uh, Norwegian? <laughs> yeah. Norway. You're Norwegian yeah. and you've travelled from Norway. And yeah, right. So uh, first guys, I, I've already mentioned Boromir. So Kenneth, what's in the rest of your army? Yeah, so basically it's uh, Boromir with one warband with most of its Fountain Court Guard, one knight and some rangers. And the rest, the other half is Faramir with all his kit yeah. uh, on a horse and armour and all that. Uh, and Madril and almost the same kind of troops like knights and Fountain Court Guards and rangers and some warriors. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So it's that fight five bubble with a big hero with fight five and a banner in the centre against my big hero with fight five and a banner. And and then uh, uh, Marius, you ended up at the back with Madril and and Faramir. Crucially, you yeah. had a march in your half of the army. Yeah, yeah. The march is uh, basically essential in uh, a doubles where most of the 
most of the scenarios to split the army. Yeah. So we need the speed when when most uh, most of the army is infantry. Yes. The the problem with that, of course, is for us we've got the drum, but we ended up rolling to to have our primary um, army as the central force. So uh, the drum didn't really help uh, the the emperor get into action. But and uh, Kenneth, what was the plan here? I mean, you already have the the advantage slightly by having march and bringing your troops to bear quicker. But those Easterlings are hard to kill. What what was your plan? Yeah. So so our plan was to sort of kill half of the Eastlings on one side of the <laughs> Emperor because he, he's so large so if you tag tag, his, the, tag the, uh, the Eastlings you can sort of kill one flank if you're lucky but the defense 6 against uh, strength 3 tr- troops uh, which we have uh, yeah they're, they're just it's, it's just a slug match so slugfest in a sense yeah it really was and, and, and because the, the way the, the cavalry were kind of um, boxed off for, for quite a lot of the game in, in particular these two cavalry in the corner that you brought on uh, Marius, they, they, they barely even fa- uh, factored in the game No, not, not directly but uh, at least there were a flanking threat so uh, although they didn't contribute much they, they did that and kept your spiders uh, fairly, fairly at distance. Yeah, they, that was particularly true. The, the Mirkwood spiders were at the back, and, and uh, there were a few turns in a row when the, the cavalry were there just sort of threatening, essentially. Uh, you lost priority a couple of turns in a row, uh, I think maybe two or three turns in a row, uh, and they were out of the, uh, the heroic move bubbles that you were calling. But it, it just meant that they were there, ready to potentially charge any Mirkwood spiders that were coming in, threatening one of the flanks, which came really handy. Yeah, yeah, it was really good to not get both of those spiders throwing their uh, paralyzed attempts at Boromir all the time. So yeah. so they were really useful for that. But in the last turn, the, one of them failed the courage just to fail to, to help Madril with uh, killing a spider. So may, maybe that would have tipped that fight. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it definitely would have tipped the fight uh, and it certainly would have helped you uh, kill things. But uh, generally, I mean, it, it, was a, it was a fascinating game because... We, we sort of said at the start that the, the armies are very similar. I mean, you have a bit more shooting, uh, but, you know, you're rolling sixes to wound. We both fight five in the bubble in the center. We both have the big banner, and we both have big, scary heroes, although I think you edge it with the scariness of your hero with his extra might and the higher fight value. Yeah, and, and also we, we had uh, sort of bo- both our forces are... Just, we had so many rerolls or every fight yeah. uh, fight phase because both of us are fight five, so it's so many 50-50 rerolls yeah. all, all the time. So it, even the uh, yeah, just the turns took a lot of yeah, a bit more time, I guess. Even. Yeah, yeah, so. I think they did. And I, I would say we uh, we thought we might have the advantage in the sense that Faramir, your secondary hero, is a slightly weaker than uh, our secondary hero. And and at one point we had a discussion uh, off off mic about saying, well. If we can get Faramir, because we chipped off his might, uh, sorry, his fate, uh, with a lucky uh, Easterling, because uh, they were fight five, and I thought that might swing us and maybe get us uh, a 2-0 win. But that, as it ended, it was a, a nil-all draw, which seems fair, because we just did bump into each other yeah. for the whole game. Yeah, yeah, that, w- that was basically all we did, just uh, trying to outmaneuver each other with heroic moves and ro- do roll-offs, and then just try to pile as many troops on the opponent's troops as possible all the time, so it's... It was just a bit of an infantry maneuver game mo- yeah. most of the time. 
and sort of the the whole formation just shifted throughout the game in a sort of a circle. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Yeah. And so it was there was a lot of protective maneuvers going on with uh, protecting our heroes, the Dragon Emperor and Rusgur, uh, Musgur, no Rasgush in the end. I'll bring Michael into this one because we didn't get a chance to talk to him in the last one. There was a lot of uh, of Eastlings dying early on in that game, and it was just kind of waiting for the orcs to arrive. But it did feel like we managed to shield off the the worst of the damage for the whole whole game to get that draw. We did it, and I think we need to make note of the Dragon Cult acolyte, probably the man of the match, <laughs> yeah. because he spearheaded an Easterling sort of push out, as it were, and he managed to hang in there. In, in, in must have been two combats being oh, more than that. It was three, three probably. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just fantastic. I, in fact, I think at the end, Kenneth and, and, and Maris were so keen to kill him, they just swamped him desperately to yeah. get rid of this really irritating Dragon Cult acolyte. It, but it, it was a great game. Yeah, yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said here for a few um, sm- a smattering of maybe three or four Easterlings who, who with the fight five, the, the, yeah, the tena- tenacity of them just allowed them to block off gaps in very irritating ways, especially to, uh, to prevent Boromir and Faramir getting, getting really, really going, I think, which, which was key. And, and, you know, shielding with a fight five defense six model, I suppose you are likely to survive quite a long time. Yes, indeed. I think ultimately, it, it, you mentioned at the beginning of the game the fact that the Dragon Emperor was in the middle and the, and the Orcs with their slow march or slow movement had to sort of catch up. If it had been the other way around, possibly we might have struggled in the middle and, 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 we, and, and with the Dragon Emperor, occupy so much space as well and threat in the way we might have done. So it might have worked okay for us in the end, but yeah. but it was still, it was, yeah, it was, it was tight right up to the last turn. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking if the Easterlings marched quickly into the centre, they, that they would have got there quicker, but you're right. The the orcs and Moranans and Rasgush uh, would probably have gone down to Boromir fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah, indeed. That that was the risk. So it was just it was just a fabulous game. Yeah, it was great. Well, thank, thanks guys for the game, and best of luck for the next one. So we both had a win and a draw, which means we're probably going to be drawn against each yeah. other for the next yeah. round or something like that. But yeah. either way, best of luck for the next round thanks. and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Lovely playing against you, and uh, as a regular listener, it was it's an honour to contribute to the podcast oh, brilliant brilliant <laughs> boo rah rum thank you very much for, good luck for the rest of the tournament let's return to the main event game number three and we're playing uh, command the battlefield and against Tom Turtle who I, I think you said you were a listener is that right Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Never wrote in, but I am a regular listener. Uh, excellent, excellent. It's always nice to, to meet some of the uh, listeners. But uh, first of all, Command the Battlefield, we have to take table quarters and it's Maelstrom missions. You lost pri- priority in the first turn, but before we get on to... Uh, sorry, you won priority in the first turn, so you came on first. But before we talk about that, what did you bring onto the board? What have you got today? It's Rivendell. I've got Círdan, Glorfindel and Erastor and 26 elves, all with either shield and spear or bows. So eight bows. Four of which have shields, just to, just to shields if, if, if needs be. So with that in mind, uh, obviously you, you won the first priority, so you had to come on first. What was your plan here? Did you have a, an idea of how you were going to counter the uh, Dragon Emperor and co? Well, it's difficult to make much, many plans with Maelstrom in play, isn't it? So uh, I think what, was the first warband to come on your Brawgear one? Uh, well, you came on first, so, you're, so you were... Um, it was Arrestor and Kurdan who came on. Yeah, so I came on first, and I, I once Brawgear was, um, once I got the, the, the opportunity to bring Brawgear on, I thought, right, well, I'm, he's a rather a small warband. If I just pop him in front of my battle line, I might uh, be able to get the jump and wipe that out uh, before uh, support arrives, or alternatively force you to use might on the other warband leaders to get in. 
I can't remember exactly. I think you might have had to use. I don't think you. I think you got quite lucky with the other roles and and the whole. So basically, the whole army uh, came on facing uh, my, down my battle line at the very edge of the table. And we had, I mean, we actually had quite a lot of difficulty keeping the models even on the table, didn't we? They were, they were very precarious at times. Yeah. Yes, it was a dragon emperor about three, two thirds of the way on. So, um, but but you did soon push forward, which uh, which which, which solved that that issue and, and, and all the others really. And, and crucially, uh, Glorfindel rolled a one in his first turn, and you decided to. Oh, was it a two? And you mited it down. I, I can't. Think, I think it was a one. Uh, yeah, it was a one because you a still had three might. Worth three might. Yeah. And then the second, I think, was it the second time I did come on. And I, I can't remember what I rolled, but I didn't use might, so I came on uh, to not sort of near bit near the main sort of um, con- confrontation, basically with yeah, so, the so, kind of archers. Yeah. Um, so essentially, we had this court, uh, basically a game in a foot by a foot in the corner of the yeah. table with two small ruins. Quarter, basically. Yeah, it, it was it was a very very tiny battlefield, and um, I think if. The, the, the first turn of combat, uh, essentially, the uh, well, first turn of moving uh, that we had to actually charge. Uh, Brogir and Kurdan uh, called heroic moves. I won the move off. Brogir went first and moved down to the edge of the the battle line and then shot a tremor straight down this line of uh, eight or so um, guys. Uh, both Arrestor and Kurdan are on the back row, so there was no one to resist. And I rolled the, uh, rolled the si- I actually mited it. I, I, I mited the, to get the, the cast off, but it turned out to be a might very well spent because I rolled a six-inch long uh, line for the thing. So I got seven or so guys underneath the, uh, the blast radius and rolled four sixes for the wounds. So I ended up killing four guys in the very first tremor, which... which Really, really swung that battle line to my favour. I think. Well, the flank collapsed. Kirdan was uh, was was exposed. Aristor was exposed. <laughs> I mean, it was magnificent to witness. I've never seen a I've never played against Brogy, so that was quite fun to see. So I, I you know, I did have to crack a smile, but uh, it was part of me died inside. I must say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. It was pretty rough. And from there, um, Glorfinnell eventually came on to, as you say, to join join the uh, the fight. But really, I just had a significant numbers advantage. Obviously, still got the fight five. Uh, and unlike in the previous game where I was requiring sixes to, against the Fountain Court to win, uh, to kill stuff, I, I don't think I rolled a, a, a dual roll or anything which didn't feature a six in some way, shape or form. I was winning fights left, right and centre and killing a lot of elves very quickly. Well, you, there are just so many dice, aren't there, that it, I think it's sort of statistically fairly. Um, and because, you know, obviously we're both fight five, and I do have the Elven Blade, but because I was having to shield in a lot of these combats, I wasn't even getting the Elven Blade advantage. Uh, so you, you were sort of just walking all over me, really. Um, Glorfindel, I can't quite remember what he did. He, he, he probably killed about four, all told, but he, he never was able to smash into the battle lines you know as you'd want I think he tried her at combat early did he and, yeah, and he, he failed against the black dragon he got very unlucky he did he did uh, I mean but, but but again you know I wouldn't put it totally down to luck I mean I, I you know I, I'm taught every game basically I play the lesson you should be really quite careful with heroic combats, but I don't have the restraint or attention to detail. I don't think to, 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 to use Glorfindel effectively. Again, with Eris, I think I did the same with Eris, or I charged him in on one uh, heroic combat, might to win, you know, and then going to Brogir, fail to kill. And, you know, you're very, you're, you're very quickly then left with very little might and an opposing army with a great deal of it yeah. uh, uh, concentrated in the Dragon Emperor 
in particular, which isn't a good place to be, really. Um, well, it, it really helped that I won a lot of the priorities in a row. So, um, so you were being forced to decide between spending might on Glorfindel for heroic moves, or, or uh, because Kurdan had spent his and Arresto had spent two yeah, on that heroic combat. Uh, it, it just meant it gave, gave me a massive advantage. It, so Glorfindel got bogged down a couple of times. The Dragon Knight charged him uh, uh, once, and heroic struck, and, uh, and you didn't strike back because you were so short on might, and you wanted to save it for when you collided with the Emperor. Well, exactly, exactly. I, I did end up killing the dragon, the, the the dragon knight eventually, which was good because that was my oath. But uh, aside from that, Glorfindel was di- didn't perform particularly well. Aristotle did survive till the very end, and he, he killed a few sort of late game. But by then, the tide had, had yeah. tr- well and truly turned. And of course, uh, Command the Battlefield is all about table quarters. And while all of this was happening, I ha- I'd had a chance early on to send a drummer and three guys uh, out away from the the main sort of hodgepodge in this corner here and, and the drummer shot off into the far corner so he got the points there uh, and assisted uh, his friend getting getting into the corner and one into the centre which is where I put this There's a, one of the oaths is putting a random objective down uh, and I, I, I wanted to get that one so I got that oath and uh, I managed to take two of the quarters uh, uncontested the third quarter which uh, the remainder of the elven forces sat in I've got double the force uh, but you did get a an objective over there with uh, one of the quarters with uh, a sort of random elf but I was saying before I, I think perhaps you, you lost sight uh, uh, of the objective when you moved Glorfindel on because I, I, I think Glorfindel and eight or nine is it eight bows I think is eight yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and essentially they, they came on to assist uh, helping the rest of your force which seems fair but in a game where uh, objectives are key you could have uh, wandered onto another board edge, uncontested, claim all those objectives, and maybe pit, pit the win because of that. I know, I know. As soon as you said it, I thought, gosh, I didn't think of that. Because I was so fixated on thinking of the optimal entrance point for Glorfindel to you know, start causing you problems directly. But the biggest problem I could have caused you was to set up shop in you know, two, eventually three of the corners. And then with archers, you'd be quite happy to sit there, pinging away at you as, 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 as you... Uh, approached me and further I, I you know I could I, I may well have broken quite easily and quickly in, in the quarter we were in which would have then pushed the game towards an end I mean then of course we you know I, I may well have started to run away but nonetheless it would have been a far sounder strategy than what actually ended up happening where I was fighting an uphill battle from from the start, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Once you'd lost uh, so much might and yeah. so many models early on, I think think it, the, the strategy probably would have been to, to take. And, and as you mentioned, Glorfindel's warband was pretty much ideally suited to being spread across the battlefield because of the bows. Yeah. And, and you were saying that you know, Glorfindel too, just zooming round, picking off anyone who, who tried to challenge, um, you know, would have, would have would have worked really quite well. And 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 and. Yeah, I, I mean, because that tremor got off, I think, the turn before Glorfindel arrived. Mm. So the tide had started to turn then, so I, I should have probably seen that, cut my losses, and come on way out. But, you know, you, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lesson learned, and it was a really enjoyable game. Um, yeah, I think it, I, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I, I, you were, what, it must be said, uh, it, being gracious in sort of, Circumstances where where you're ro- where you're just rolling terrible dice and I'm massively outnumbering and I'm killing everything. Uh, it, it takes a lot of uh, sort of of character, I think, to to hold the fort. And and you did very well. And because uh, some people get salty and angry and annoyed, but I never got a sense of that. So uh, 
being gracious in defeat is important. I appreciate that. And I'm more than happy to provide the listeners with the first victory of, of, the, of the podcast. Um, and, and you know, it was, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it was, a, it was an uphill struggle. But I was killing stuff to the end, so it wasn't just like having stuff done to you, you know. And, and I left, I ended with my leader intact. So you know, there's 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 some there's some honour in that, I suppose. So. Indeed, indeed. Arrester and Glorfindel remain alive. You've got a quarter. Uh, it was an eight-two victory to me. Both of us had oaths, so it's only a minor loss to Tom. But uh, either way, uh, th- thanks very much for the game, and best of luck for the rest of the thanks, tournament. Mate. Yeah, best of luck, mum. Now back to the doubles. Game number three of the doubles here at Ardacon, and we're playing uh, a mission called Cornered. I don't know what. Um, how to describe it without saying essentially we've got a circle in the middle where my guys were surrounded uh, and then there's guys around the edges there's victory points for a variety of different things Um, have a look on page 36 yeah it's Captain America Shield as Michael says page 36 of the uh, match play guide playing Julian Uh, so guys first of all um, uh, just give us an idea of your army list your your side of the army first my my army was Witch King uh, one Nazgul, eight Numenorian, and eight Moranon, mm-hmm. just to be safe on to go in. Yeah, and so you got two casters, seven Will and two Might on the the Ring Wraith, and yeah. I think it was three three eleven two for the Witch King. And and your half. And me, uh, it's a Ruchabi and Rogir uh, with uh, many Sterling uh, yeah. and uh, a drum. Yeah, a drum, a drum. And so it started with the Dragon Emperor right in the centre. First of all, uh, what was your plan here? I'll start with you, Matthew. So our plan at the beginning is was the first turn to fix the Emperor and to kill everyone around him. And the second one is to fi- to spell him and to kill him in one turn. Yeah. So normally that can happen. Yeah, normally. Normally. Yeah. Normally. yeah. yeah. You have a, a big one on the Eric strike. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I was immobilised in the first turn, and it must be said, your ring wraith was doing some great work because he a lot of one dice transfixes on sixes, which were great. But uh, yeah, then your look rebounded to the opposite with your heroic strike when the dragon emperor was in big trouble at that point, yeah. and you rolled a one on the heroic strike. So I run the one and I started to cry, <laughs> but maybe the half, the hand can change something. I lose. He do one wound on the, my wish king and he die. Yeah. I fail every might uh, destiny. Uh, fate, yeah. The fate. fate. So bad luck. Yeah, that, it was it was a horrendous start for you guys. But from then, uh, the Brawgear in particular was doing some really good work with his magic, they, delaying the orcs arriving, knocking people down. There was loads of stuff going on there. But. Uh, yes. But um, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, the, um, you have a, a, a look on uh, certainly uh, on uh, on uh, a lot of uh, bad luck, a lot of combat because you you have a uh, black dragon with a, a fight value five. Yes. Yeah, that was the big thing because because everything was happening in the center and and you didn't have a, an emperor. I did. We had fight five, so I just won almost all the fights, right? Yeah, but you won all the fight, but we have more dice. So I have only one trapped, and you won everything. So bad luck for us. Yeah, it was a very, very lucky first turn. But as the game progressed, and um, Michael sort of slowly started arriving, but uh, crucially, you kind of you kept him out of the game. I guess that was your yeah. the intention. Yeah, and our intention is just to kill your emperor, and after it will be easy for us. But that's, we can't do it in two, yeah. three, four, four turns. Yeah, yeah. So it will be complicated. And what was your plan there with the, with Borgir and Rutabi? Uh, Rutabi, it's uh, to uh, try to copy the uh, different heroic action with uh, other enemy hero, mm. and Borgir 
uh, try to uh, with a tremor to uh, to kill a few few warriors and uh, and uh, knock one but the two tremors uh, which uh, passed we have uh, on the on the, the, yeah, the the range of it. It only, it only got one, one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice, one off range. So uh, each time, uh, just uh, two two warriors. Uh, yeah. Touch done. Yeah. It is fair to say you did have uh, some bad luck uh, early on and so on, but. Uh, what you did particularly well, though, is is balancing the fights to to your advantage, and and particularly keeping keeping the orcs out. So you still had a lot of models in the in the centre at the end of the game. So one of the objectives is is getting more models in the centre uh, where where the dragon emperor was at the start, and the other objectives relate to sort of killing leaders and things like that. So it, you, we're kind of both playing different games in terms of objectives, aren't we? Because you're trying to get to the middle and kill a leader, we're trying to kill different leaders, but it doesn't matter as much as if if we're in the middle. So that it's a bit of a complicated one but in the end it it came down to very very close uh, final round where where you know the, we were trying to wrap around our, our spiders round and try and get a few extra kills um from each side and i i think we did break you in the end is that right we yeah, bro- you, you break us in the end but that was obvious because you won a lot of combat at the beginning yeah. so we can't take an advantage and finally you play alone on yeah. your win because you win of the combat and you have a lot of luck, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, with the banner, with, uh, and the banner and the 5-5, yeah. five, five, it really the helped. banner, one dice, 5-5, five, five, and we have all the army, mm. many d- more dice than you in the combat, or banner too, so that will be, yeah. it was complicated for us yeah. to lose. And, and, uh, and for many, tr- uh, many turns, uh, because uh, we, uh, we, fi- we thought uh, that the Emperor uh, uh, killed by uh, yeah. which king, Ruchabi, yeah. other things. So the plan was built around yeah. him dying. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's uh, the, the this turn is uh, the changes. The layer changes the look. Absolutely. Well, either way, in the end, um, it came down to a, a very narrow thing. You killed the emperor, but as you mentioned, I I got very lucky against the witch king and killed him uh, quite early on, and then. Um, the, the orcs did eventually get into the centre, so we did have more uh, objectives in the in the middle. But uh, you'd managed to kill the emperor, which is a big swing towards you. So it's a, a leader and a banner. Um, but we had more guys in the centre, so it ended up an exact draw. Uh, which I, I know I can I can sense you think that yeah you you were, you were hard done by there really. It was it was unlucky on your behalf. Yeah, the draw was a lose for us because when we see at the beginning. Your allies was in the start of the game and we have a lot of people in the middle. We can charge turn one, your emperor, we can fix it with magic. So we say turn, turn two, maybe three is dead and we can continue, kill everything turn four and after the mm. all we're coming. But that doesn't go, so... But a draw, I mean, we can count a draw for a win, but either way, it doesn't affect either of our tournaments. So hopefully uh, you, you do well in uh, your, your games tomorrow. It was a cracking army and a very, very strong uh, uh, excellent players as well so uh, congratulations on that and best of luck for tomorrow yeah thank you you too and that was a cool game yeah. with you and it was a pleasure to meet you ah, and you and you guys well thank you very much thank I'll just I'll just come quickly to Michael at the end uh, here because uh, I mean the, the, the guys there they hinted at it um, quite strongly that, that we did get we did get unlucky uh, did get very lucky we, we did we rode our luck big time uh, again the beginning of the game we rolled wrong way round for who was primary force so the mm-hmm. dragon emperor was in the middle and was you know, got stuck between these two forces compressing with all 
all the magic and everything. And as I say, we really rode our luck big time, but almost snuck it at the yeah. very death. But it was a, it was a really good game. Yeah, uh, and, and we haven't mentioned there that we had uh, just one more model uh, within six inches in the centre would have swung it to double the number of models uh, the, the the other guys had. So it it was so close to that final turn. If we'd have killed one more model, or if we'd have uh, we'd have just managed to poke through, for, for example, the final turn. Uh, if we'd have not uh, if we'd have won the priority rather than lost it, we'd have not been pinned back away from the objective. So lots of little things. I mean, admittedly, all hinged on the fact that um, early on the Dragon Emperor survived, uh, especially that first turn of combat against the Witch King, where he rolled a one. Um, I, I must say, I, 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 there's a lot of the emphasis as well should be on the, the Ringwraith. Uh, they're ca casting two um, single dice sixes for the transfix, which yeah. made my resist rolls, I just didn't know how to, to respond to it because they had so much will. It, indeed, it did make it very, very difficult in the middle. Yeah. But so that means the end of day one for yeah. the doubles, we have two draws and a win. Yeah, so we can we can, we, we can count ourselves unbeaten and very sweaty and tired. Uh, indeed, it is getting very warm in here in yeah. Ardican Hall. Absolutely. Well, uh, bring on day number two for the doubles. So I hope you're following what's happening here at Ardicon on uh, day one of the doubles and day one of the main event. Uh, I hope it's making sense uh, how I'm flip-flopping backwards and forwards, but I thought it might increase some tension and, of course, um, maybe make it a little more exciting for everyone uh, on the uh, uh, as I as I have not performed particularly well in the main event in the first first day with two losses. But I did manage to achieve a win there with Tom at the end. Uh, and it must be said uh, once more that uh, I did get quite lucky um, with some of the, the roles against Tom. And he took it like an absolute champion. Uh, so uh, thanks very much for that, Tom. A little bit better performance with the doubles, um, having gone unbeaten on day one of the tournament. So if you're following things, we've got two draws and a win uh, in the doubles with the uh, able assistance of Michael Haskell, of course. Uh, and in the the main event, it's uh, two losses and a win um, and a couple of oaths, I think, at this point as well. So can day two prove successful in both the doubles and the main event? Can the Dragon Emperor lead the Easterlings to victory? Can he be the one to win it? We'll have to find out. We've got six more interviews uh, to go or thereabouts. Uh, so still plenty of time in the podcast left to go. And uh, because we haven't got a, a, a riddle in the dark this episode, there will be a kind of quizzy thing at the end, uh, or at the very least, just a competition, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And this is to get your hands on an, a pair of SBG magazines, uh, including the latest uh, SBG magazine, um, which are fantastic publications by uh, Tom Harrison and uh, Damien O'Byrne. Um, they're brilliant magazines. I love them. And the, the latest one is absolutely outstanding. It's got some fantastic contributions uh, from uh, lots of people including yours truly. Uh, so uh, I, I managed to persuade the guys uh, to uh, let me have a couple of magazines to give away for free uh, because A, they're such wonderful people uh, and B, I thought that it would make formed a really nice narrative. Um, they're, they're kind of 
following the Fellowship of the Ring, te- celebrating the uh, 20th anniversary. So there's scenarios and there's there's discussion and kind of reminiscing. Uh, and as I mentioned, there's even some contributions from me. So um, we'll find out how you can go about winning those two magazines. It's not going to be a complicated quiz. It's not going to be as hard as the Riddles in the Dark. Let's put it that way. Uh, because I actually do want to give everyone a chance, really, and make it more like a lottery than a, a, a knowledge test or kind of ability to understand who speaks next uh, when there's a sort of a lot of noise going on in the background. So uh, we'll get on to that later. But first, can I make the Eastlings great again? Let's go back to the tables. So I'll do a quick summary of game number four because my opponent Lucas from Spain didn't have great English, so wasn't keen to appear on the podcast. But essentially what happened was he had Grimbeorn, seven Beornings and the Thranduil with the, the Elk and all the other kit and he also had seven Palace Guard with him, one had a banner. An interesting list, a tough, very hard-hitting list with the fight six and the strength, the strength four burly guys and all the, all the defence and all the fight value in the right places. Um, but essentially, the game came down pretty much to a couple of different things. One was that Grimbeorn charged the Dragon Emperor in turn number one, and during that turn, I struck and he heroic defenced. And thanks to Brawgear, who'd cast Fury, I managed to basically surround and trap him with the Pikes and Acolytes and loads of different models that were in there. And um, just by one fate, managed to kill Grimboyon in one turn, which was brilliant because we were playing Clash by Moonlight, which is the one where you have to kill more heroes than the opponents. This meant uh, basically a tactical withdrawal <laughs> from then on. I drummed um, in the following turn and uh, heroic heroic moved with my dragon knight and brawl gear and essentially pulled them and the emperor out of the fight and away from danger from then it was just a matter of charging into Grimbeorn and uh, sorry the Bjornings and the uh, the Thranduil and his friends and just boxing them off and ensuring that Thranduil couldn't uh, get in and chase the heroes down and that largely was it. It was a 6-4. And again, uh, we had a fantastic uh, Brawgear uh, Kundra. He, he did so much work in this game, not just the Fury, but also a, a, a fantastic um, Tremor again, which um, managed to knock down and kill uh, not just uh, one Beorning, but two Beornings, um, who, who had both been wounded, of course, before. Um, and also a banner, the Palace Guard banner, which was absolutely fantastic. So um, from there, it, was, it just allowed me to mop up a bit. I did lose. Um, quite a few Easterlings I got broken in the end and uh, didn't manage to kill Thranduil um, so it ended up being a 6-4 victory but uh, I, I played it hard and I guess uh, slightly cheesily uh, ran all my guys out of danger um, in order to guarantee that win but a win was a win and I also got an oath because my oath uh, this time was to have your leader kill another hero in combat which of course uh, the Dragon Emperor killed uh, killed Grimbeorn with his final point of might so uh, it was excellent um, work from the Dragon Emperor and from uh, the Beyond so not, not yeah yeah so um, yeah that was that was it 6-4 and quite happy for that and an exhausting day uh, in a very very hot sweltering Ardacon but uh, at the moment I've got two wins and two losses and also three oaths, so which are worth one tournament point each. So, uh, and I think it's five for a win or something like that, and one for a draw. I'm not exactly sure on the numbers, but anyway, I'm doing okay. So we'll find out after day number uh, the well day number one's evening, which has a quiz. Oh, what exactly will happen? Will the Easterlings ride to victory and have four wins in a row? We'll find out in a few seconds' time. Now back to the doubles. 
game number four uh, of the doubles tournament and we're playing Clash of Champions which is essentially Contest of Champions uh, but in a doubles format so both of our leaders have to kill stuff and kill the enemy leaders and we're playing Ben and Victor uh, also from France so this is the th third set of uh, uh, French uh, that we've played in the tournament so first uh, Ben just give us a rundown of your army uh, so we play uh, Farad army and so many after because we play uh, 12 after in, in total in Germany and uh, two Maud Kings, one Maud Troopmeister and a lot of uh, Maud uh, Wire. Yeah. So we have 30 uh, mi miniatures on the table. Yeah, but of course a lot of those are half trolls, so it might be sli <laughs> slightly low on the numbers. Um, but very defensive, very strong. Um, so what was your plan? Did you have a bit of a strategy going in, Victor? At the start of the game we saw that we have advantages on the shooting phase because you didn't have uh, shoot shooters. So we, we deployed uh, with a little distance to, to shoot. And we killed, I think, two orcs with uh, by shooting. So it was. Uh, I don't. I don't know if he's changed uh, something, but it was. Uh, yeah, you had the advantage, and it, and it also meant that you could decide where the combat happened and when, because you've got terror on the front line yes. as well. So, so you were in a, 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 basically a V or a, a square in the front, uh, in the corner, very corner of the game, uh, with your your half trolls on the front, and that that terror line is very good. Yeah, because we know, you you can charge as you you went. So the plan is, okay, you are five inch or six inch, but one orc come and no one come. So it's um, your 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 force is disorganized, and yeah. uh, and it's a really advantage for, for us. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course the, the fight five uh, is crucial here. I mean, yeah. the the black dragons have got the bonus against it a little bit, but. Even so, with, with your two attacks, you've got banners and you've got a spear and support, you've got three dice, very much like, like us. So often the, the, the fights were quite evenly matched. But then the first turn happened and, uh, of, of combat and it went quite badly for us. We didn't win any of the roll-offs or anything like that and a lot of guys died. Yeah. The, at the beginning of the, of the game, we had uh, many fear of the fight five, but finally it was uh, we could uh, kill a lot of orcs and... We had the roll off yeah, at the yeah. beginning. So. Uh, five or six. Five yeah. or six for off on the first time. Uh, if you don't have fight face with Dragon, the game was uh, completely broke for, for us. Yeah. Uh, happy for you, you have a fight fight. Uh, uh, five, five fight. Right. Without, uh, it was, uh, if you didn't have the fight uh, five, it was uh, impossible for you to, to do something. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that. And especially because our heroes were particularly uh, badly performing. I mean, uh, Musga uh, didn't kill anything. Uh, 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 sorry, Matt Razgush didn't kill anything, the leader of, uh, of Wand Contingent. And the Dragon Emperor, uh, he, he failed. Despite his fight, yeah, his fight six the, advantage, yeah, he, he killed only one uh, half troll throughout the whole of the uh, game and had to spend a lot of my early on just to win the fight against I think it was two half trolls and spears which have, which would have done a lot of damage yeah we are, we are lucky with that yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's fair to say but having said that the army is, is very well designed and and you you really maximized the the potential of uh, of the, the the kings because they were they were sort of flanking around the back waiting for the opportune moments to charge charging orcs and charging spiders on the flanks as well so you you, you did a really good job of that yeah and, and try to to kill someone with uh, impediment yeah. the impediment doesn't work this time but uh, it could be so yeah, well, I, th I think you got one wound off a spider at the yeah, very start, yeah, and that was it, which, again, uh, 
very helpful because it, it, a spider, as you might you have two wounds, so it might have uh, just pipped you over the chance yeah, to get the, the kill. And this spider is uh, really uh, a big uh, target for us because uh, uh, the um, Paralyze yeah, is very strong against our, our sword and our arrows because oh, just one fight, ah, you, 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 on a five plus or six plus, uh, or six, you yeah. paralyze our guys, lost the camel, it's a really, really a big target. Yeah. And um, we are happy when uh, you um, attack with, uh, with yeah. her because when uh, the, the, the spider are in uh, contact, hmm. we know we, we can to kill it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it will be better if you keep the spider away yeah. and just uh, smash every turn, uh, try to paralyze uh, our arrows, I think. Yeah, you, you, you're probably right there, because in, in the early phase, I think you'd lo uh, won the priority and, and you'd not moved anything. And we'd shot uh, one of the uh, half trolls on the end with a very lucky roll of a six for a, a paralyze. And, yeah. and, and just thought, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it was an unlucky troll. But we th we, I think maybe it was a mistake, but we did charge the, the Mirkwood spider into that troll. I think we may have got two into it in the end. Uh, it killed it, but of course it did leave those spiders yeah. Quite um, uh, uh, surrounded in the second turn. So even the spider can uh, kill the um, mud king. Mm. Yeah, because I lost the fight. Uh, yeah, uh, no, not, oh, yes, not even paralyzed. When I fight uh, the spider, spider mm. wins the fight yes, and did, uh, yeah. got one wound mm. on, uh, on the king. It was a really, really tough moment. Yeah, because <laughs> it was it was strength five, and that that is that is crucial. But either way, it did end up in a, a eight. I'm trying to look for my book with the notes, but a eight nil uh, win to you guys. So uh, throughout the course of the doubles, we played three uh, uh, duos from France and uh, we've lost one and drew one and now uh, uh, well we won one early on and now we've lost one against you guys so so at least we've got the whole spread uh, for, for, for France I, I don't uh, understand the yeah, question just, 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 just generally a, a re reaction to you know we, we've been able to you've been able to sort of fight for the, the honour of France yeah, here yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was important to us to revenge our country and our guys and uh, it's done so yeah. I'm happy <laughs> yeah, absolutely well, well Victor uh, thank you very much for, for the game uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Cheers. Too. Thanks. And I'll just I'll just bring Michael in uh, just at the end there. I think uh, I, I, the guys there mentioned that we uh, we we did have a, a very bad first turn, um, particularly in terms of the roll loss. And I think to be honest, that that kind of it, it spiraled out of control from there. Yeah, they put us on the back foot right from the right, right from the start, really. Mm. Um, and uh, but they played it so well in terms of backing into the corner, making it really difficult with uh, that that number of twelve half trolls, yeah. and very difficult for us to get the spiders around the flank. So yeah. they, they, you know, because we thought initially we may have had some flank options, but yeah. they, they pulled themselves back, so we didn't even have that. So yeah, no, they played it very very well. It's very mm. tough for us. Yeah, there's some dice didn't go away, but mm. sometimes that happens. But no, they, they, they've got an effective army there, and in this scenario we came up short. Yeah, and I think they point. They pointed out that if we didn't have the fight five black dragons, I mean, we'd have we'd have been absolutely it screwed. Been, it would have been carnage, yeah. even more carnage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I suppose that the fight five didn't really help in the first turn because we lost all the rollouts anyway. But I, I think the, the the thing that I'm bemoaning most is that, that both uh, Razgush and uh, and the Emperor lost their first fights. I had to spend lots of my early on, so we were we 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 went in thinking, well, we've got a good might advantage here. We've got three on the Emperor, uh, we've got three on Razgush and two on Musga, two spare for moves and things but they, they didn't have quite as much but uh, as it turned out uh, within a, a turn or two we'd, we'd already spent four might on our big heroes which just uh, didn't didn't help at all because it didn't give us any momentum for, yeah, for yeah. you know being able to do a heroic combat off the uh, off stuff with the emperor or anything like that but having said that uh, you know as you say the guys played it really well and and you know uh, we did, i don't think we played it terribly but 
the dice may be maybe affected us, and, and we just couldn't yeah. we couldn't couldn't capitalise on our uh, or pick up from our, our early failures, I suppose. Indeed, that was the, the opportunities that the rare opportunities did come our way. Uh, we couldn't capitalise, yeah. and it was just one of those days. One of those days, but we'll uh, we'll fight stronger after lunch. Let's return to the main event. Round number five, because we played four games yesterday, uh, and we're playing Retrieval, and playing against Ben, who we played, we, we decided it was at Tolcon, so it has appeared on the podcast before, with a very similar army. Ben, uh, just give us a rundown of what you've got in your 650-point list. Yeah, so it's basically the same as last time. It's uh, Assault on the Florian, and I've got Drushag, Musga, uh, but I don't have Ashrak. I've got a Shaman and uh, a Captain, and two Bats, two Spiders, three Wargs, ten Prowlers. Sort of the breakdown. Yeah, and 56 models as well. So quite a tricky one. And retrieval is the capture a flag one, where there's a the game. The board's divided into a a half diagonally, and then you've got an objective to protect and grab throughout the game. So uh, with that in mind, um, Ben, you kind of deploy. I think you deployed your first warband first, and and pretty much went sort of in the middle, sandwiched between some terrain, and then it sort of filtered out from there. What what was your game plan here? Uh, Well, you know. It's always a bit awkward with these scenarios because I want to get some shooting in, but also if I deploy too far back, I give the risk of you know you heroic combating through and like lapping around the sides, especially given the terrain onto my objective. So I've sort of just got to wall you off um, from the objective, which which did work um, in the end. Um, yeah, yeah so that, so that was, was the main tactic. Yeah, wall off. So you had two quite large lines. So it was a, maybe an eight-inch gap between a field and a building in the middle, and then another six-inch gap between another field and a building. So, so there was two big choke points. Um, but the crucially for some of the other games that I've had, I've had really massive ruins in the middle, um, where it kind of boxed out the Dragon Emperor, which meant I had to make a decision between the fight, giving myself the fight value advantage and the banner on one side and not the other. Whereas this time, the, a the Emperor got into fights. Uh, and B, he was able to, to spread his, his joy all over the battlefield. And, and in the first turn, I, I just plumped straight down one, uh, the left flank, hoping to crack through the side that didn't have Musga uh, and didn't have Ashrak in, thinking you might have a little less magic, a little uh, less sort of um, mobility, or a, sort of a little less offensive capabilities of shutting stuff down. Having said that, the Dragon Knight spent a, every single turn of the game immobilised except for the penultimate couple. So you do have a lot of the stuff in this list to be able to neutralise a lot of my threat. Um, it, what, but once the game got going, it was really a battle line against battle line, which doesn't really favour you. No, yeah. I mean, I, I did. we did manage to sort of get to a situation where I was sort of lapping around the edges a little bit, but it wasn't really enough. And, you know, the the fact that even if I do win, which I, I think I think on the first round I didn't win a single combat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but even if I do win, I can only kill one. Whereas because I'm trying to get in outnumbering you, your pikes are there stabbing like two or three guys. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and your your front line being defence five when I've got three pikes most of the time. Uh, sorry, defence four. I'm wounding on fives. Yeah. So it, it's and a feint on the front. So I've, I've just churning through the front line quite quickly and also I think initially you're, you were quite cautious with your spiders and your bats um, so they were behind the line so anything that had any real killing power was boxed off and basically didn't get a chance to, to fight until maybe the last turn or maybe That's before true, that yeah. yeah yeah. I mean it's they're assassination tools basically mm. you know you use them to kill the heroes um, and you know you've played you were saying you've played this legion before mm. you know what to do which is stick like a guy or two behind the dragon emperor to stop me like flying a bat over yeah um, so you know, I was stopping him heroic combating, but you know he was doing he was doing enough just with the support. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was killing one guy every single turn, uh, maybe, and he heroic commented once to kill a second. Um, but you were doing very well at uh, edging him out. And as you say, I quite I, I put a no fly zone in uh, a lot. I did point out after a while there was a, there's a potential chance when you want to heroic move off, you could have moved uh, a bat and Musga in, which would have forced me to heroic strike. 
but it still gave you a good potential chance of, of winning the fight value, uh, fight, which which you uh, after, I kind of pointed out after you'd done it, so you decided not to do it in the end because that would have been unfair. But uh, either way, it, were, you did have one chance, but realistically, even if you did get through, you, you probably wouldn't have killed him. You certainly wouldn't have, well, you, you probably wouldn't have wounded him, but you certainly wouldn't have uh, killed him. So it would have been a very tricky, tricky game for you. So it all really came down to whether either of us got the uh, the retrieval. And most of the game, you were sending three wags uh, on, a, on a bit of a wild goose chase around a big field, then around a forest, so almost all the whole circumference of the table. And, and the, uh, eventually I, I got my Dragon Knight to... Uh, he was getting so frustrated by being immobilised that I heroic moved and didn't call with me to just get him out of the middle so that I didn't get immobilised and I could protect my objective, which essentially won me the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's... Well, where, where we ended, you know, we ended before we got to that point, but it was three wargs and a bat descending on the objective. But the Dragon Knight could have, you know, he could have heroic moved and sat on it and yeah. prevented me getting it. Mm. Um, and we rolled out what would have happened as well, didn't we, if the game had gone on. And while I would have killed the Dragon Emperor, all my beasts would have then run away. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, it would have been a, potentially a 3-1 victory to me. Uh, but in the end, it was actually 3-0 to me uh, because uh, we didn't move the uh, objective at all. And I just broke you. Last just time. on the last last fight. It always seems to come down to the last fight I, in these sorts of things. The three pikes against two orcs. Uh, and I managed to kill two, uh, two orcs on the five. So it was unlikely to go that way to get the two fives. But, um, I, you know, uh, in, the, in the final game, I think... Uh I got, yeah, I probably got unlucky on one side and lucky on the other. To, yeah. yeah, I thought I, I thought it was likely, but either way, Ben, a cracking game and the the, the score is so close, and I think that really reflects the the way this game went. It could have could have really swung either way if if maybe the, the I didn't get the right move off or, or whatever for the Dragon Knight to be able to run away. Things like this would have definitely swung things, and um, and that, that's crucial. But it ended up being a three 0 win. You got an oath. I didn't get an oath because we were trying to fight over the same bit of unimportant uh, objective yeah. that we've we kind of abandoned on the corner so uh, either way uh, well done thanks very much for another another cracking game we couldn't quite work out who won last time but um, <laughs> either way uh, it's at the least uh, yeah exactly you'll have to listen to the uh, episode with Tolcon but either way uh, thanks very much Ben for another another cracking game yeah likewise thank you Cheers. best of luck with the rest of the time now back to the doubles Game number five, doubles. We uh, just had our lunch and all that sort of stuff and then straight into another match uh, of Taken Hold, which is essentially the doubles version of Hold Ground. So we're trying to fight over the centre, but as with many doubles scenarios, you end up uh, deployed in different corners opposite to one another. So uh, we were up against Josh and Matt. And Josh, just first of all, if you could summarise your half of the force, uh, well, you might as well summarise the whole whole force because it's uh, it's all one thing, isn't it? It's a one legendary legion. Yeah, so it's a and legendary legion. Uh, in Force A, we've got Faden with free Royal Guard, a captain who unfortunately forgot to bring his rider with him, uh, and then Daywine with two Royal Guard. Uh, and then on Force B, we've got Gambling with free Royal Guard, and Elfhelm with Dernhelm in the warband and two Royal Guard. I think that's everything. Yeah, so it's about, uh, I think it was 17 models total, so very hero-dense. And so, so Matt, and, and from what I gather, Matt, that you're, you're a big AOS player, but this is pretty much your first tournament, is that right? Yeah, so I played one uh, tournament, which was a doubles beforehand, but, I, but that was more of a fun one. Mm. This is my first kind of competitive outing uh, in, in Middle Earth. Um, yeah, I play a lot of AOS beforehand. Um, people know me as Matt Mallow in AOS, uh, but this is a much different kind of game. Um, and it's been really, really fun learning how like the different mechanics work and things like that. So what was your plan? I mean, obviously we're split up, so uh, there's one side of our force that is a lot slower than the other. Uh, we've got the drum with the Easterlings. Uh, Josh, did you have a strategy that you guys had worked out beforehand? I was in two minds, because what I didn't like was that your half was very quick, so you'd have, got to the, you'd have caught up with us 
quicker than the orc side. Um, so I was tempted to go for you. But going against the Dragon Emperor at fight five is very risky. So we went for the orcs first, or that was our initial plan. Uh, but then the orc side castled up in their corner. Mm. And we realised if we just go back, that's not really doing much in the game. Yeah. So as the game evolved, we changed it up and went for the middle with the Easterlings and duked it out there, really. Yeah, I, I essentially, I'll, I'll blame Michael in a minute, but uh, <laughs> we, we decided, we, well, uh, we, we did sort of think if we can bog you down in that corner a little bit uh, and, and sort of entice some charges over there that, that it would drag you to the centre, we might start losing guys. We may, uh, if, if you kill that, that flank, we'd break sooner and then we'd have the, the, the middle uh, and, and might end up uh, sort of, uh, pipping it out in the in the end, but I, I think it was a it was a big mistake that I'm going to blame on Michael. Big big mistake that I'll blame on Michael. No, it's not really. It's, it was a, a joint joint effort. Um, but essentially, uh, our, our orc contingent got stuck in the woods and only really arrived at the very end of the game, which which allowed you to really focus in on the uh, on the Easterlings. And, and I know uh, Matt, you, you, your contingent of riders, uh, they they did the flanking maneuver and came around the back as well, so you took off pike supports and all those sorts of things. So, I mean. It, you, considering you're a new player, you, you definitely seem to know what you were doing there. Uh, yeah, so so we talked a little bit before, and, and uh, obviously we had three games yesterday with the same army. Mm. So so I'm getting very used to the whole flanking mechanic and how important it is to to make sure that you can trap uh, your opponents. Because even though cavalry uh, can block in, taking away those pike supports, especially on Easterlings, mm. who can support two ranks, being able to take that away as reliably, and even throwing some throwing spears into the back lines, those really hurt and yeah. mean that you have to uh, defend from both angles, from the front and behind, which is much more difficult to do yeah and crucially here that meant that you could get uh, Dernhelm round the back of the the Dragon Emperor as well Josh yeah I mean that trap was what did it really uh, once we could strike in you were out of might the Dragon Emperor was going down uh, and then as soon as he's gone I'm not scared of the Easterlings at all yeah, um, so. yeah it was just it was just cleaning up the trash after that wasn't it because uh, the I'd, I'd already had to spend one might on a strike and then one might on a move to try and try and pin down some of your cavalry charges deny some of the fight five things like that uh, and and sadly uh, uh, Musgur and Razgush were just so far away that not, none of their might really came into play at all. So it was the Dragon Emperor against about a billion might uh, in, in the centre. So, yeah. I mean, had that transfix have come off and we hadn't resisted it, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that would have helped because we got a Deowine transfix on at one point, I think, and or uh, Dernhelm as well. So uh, a couple of magics didn't quite get in while Musgur was slugging it away. But but generally, it, it came down to you know you just. Dist- kind of the feint that you sent your guys over towards the woods where the orcs then decided to castle up but then immediately rushed back to the centre that kind of won you the game I think and I think burning the mic to chuck it in probably made you think that was what our intention was yeah. from the beginning because yeah, you marched to get there yeah yeah exactly. yeah exactly well either way guys I think it was a 12-0 in the end so well done yeah uh, thanks very much it was an absolute pleasure of a game really enjoyed it um, probably my favourite so far but ah. we won't tell anyone that well don't tell anyone else that but either way thanks very much Josh <laughs> I'll bring Michael in to, to blame him for the, uh, the disastrous victory <laughs> he, uh, loss. he helper <laughs> yeah no to be fair uh, we, we did talk it through a bit didn't we but I think um, we, we sort of decided it would be a good idea to, to try and bog them down which was a mistake yeah no I, no, I think the, the principle was sort of right is the fact that we then sort of we fell between two stools. Mm. Some of them went into the woods, some of them tried to dangle themselves as, as an offering, mm. and it wasn't enough of an offering to draw them in. But yeah. I think I think Josh would have probably declined anyway. They'd, mm. you know, they'd done the fate, they'd done it enough to push us back, and they'd have turned tail anyway. But, but yeah, we, we should have maybe tried to make ourselves more of a attempting morsel. Yeah, exactly. And, and being bogged down in the woods really didn't help that. And, it, and I know that the logic was fairly sound. That if they w- <laughs> the problem was it, was it was so well done 
because we, we're like, well, they, they, if they charge into the woods, they'll be bogged down, they won't get any charge bonuses, and then they, well, they think, well, well, why the hell would we bother? <laughs> yeah, but well, I think what we should have done is thought about the late game, the fact yeah. we're, we're playing a legendary legion with mm. all this might, yeah. therefore even if we did, the remnants came forward, they can just block us up in the, in, in the, the scenery holes because mm. they're, always gonna, they're almost always going to get a, a priority or a heroic yeah, yeah. move and so on. So, yeah, we, we should have maybe thought about um, being a bit smarter. Yeah, I think point. if we'd have been aggressive with that side uh, and pushed forward, it, A, it would have... Uh, We'd have been further forward anyway, so the, the charges might have... Uh, we could have still killed stuff with Musker and uh, Razgush and got some heroic combats or some magic and things like that. Might have then allowed us to get into the middle, maybe with some orcs remaining, but alas, it all went terribly wrong and, and we lost 12-0, the biggest loss of the weekend so far. Indeed, yeah, not been a good day today. No, it's not been good, but uh, we've got the, the one win from yesterday and the two draws, so all we need to do is have another win today and then you know we're, we're relatively positive with that. Mid-table obscurity. Yeah, we'll find out in a few, uh, few minutes' time exactly. Exactly what happens. Let's return to the main event. Game number six of Ardacon, the final round uh, of a very sweaty Ardacon Hall here in Manchester. And playing Tom Smith, uh, it's Tom Smith, isn't it? Yeah, in the final round. I know it's Tom. Uh, and we're playing to the death, a nice way to round off the weekend with just a bit of killing and not a lot of thinking, which is nice. And Tom, first of all, uh, just give us a bit of a rundown of what you've brought to, uh, to Ardacon for 650 points. Yeah, so uh, I've brought a Umbar and Serpent Hall Alliance, which is Dalamir is the general, he's the leader. Uh, second Umbar hero is Delgamar, and then I've got Suladan allied in. Uh, about four Cav in his list with some fatties and some Haradrim with bow and spear, and I have a total of nine Arblesters. Yeah. And you mentioned at the start uh, that it's not quite optimal because you said you didn't have quite as many crossbows and things like that? Yeah, I think, I'm, I think you would generally probably take a few more crossbows, but... I tend not to for purely scenarios like this where you do need to kill and people are in your face. Um, you, you just you just want the extra bodies that can fight, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, fair point. And um, in terms of the, the, the setup, there's a, a hugely dense board of terrain. Uh, and, of course, I've got a drum. Uh, so just give, walk, walk me through your opening gambits and, and you know what your general outlook and plan was throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, early on it was pretty straightforward that it's the thickest first scenario I've had where we've been able to be 12 inches off the board edge so at least I knew I'd get a couple of turns of shooting in to try and get the advantage I mean with your fight five I had to I had to uh, I had to try and get an upper hand early so I took uh, I anchored my um, my crossbows in between two Osgiliath ruins mm -hmm. uh, to make sure I could get sort of three turns of shooting off with the nine R blesters which worked well I mean, I think I killed like six or seven Easterlings. Yeah, I think, I think it was four or five in the first turn and maybe a, a slightly fewer in the uh, in the second and third, but it was still quite a decisive amount. It, yeah, it was. And then with the, the rest of the army, I kind of... When it was a bit of a U-shape, so when you did sort of burst through the ruins, I could hopefully try and wrap round with the cab charging from the side. Um, I suppose that was the that was the early plan. Yeah, and you're right, the U-shape really did help. I, it meant that I got some of my cavalry in, but if I'm honest, the cavalry were more there to just charge and hope for the best. I knew they were going to get trapped. Um, and there was an eastern flank where I, I didn't quite get the move. The heroic move was in the wrong place, really. So uh, they got hemmed in for a while. Having said that, it, it was more of a... Ro you dropped a roadblock in their way, so they still had plenty of boys there to, to sort of chip away at one half of your force. So you kind of gave me one of your flanks yeah yeah absolutely the intention was to completely try and hold the door away with sort of eight or nine that i can afford to lose while trying to focus most of my force having a weekend into the shooting um, i knew they'd die it's just how long they lasted and mm. to be honest until the last turn 
they lasted pretty well. Yeah. Um, so no complaints of that. Yeah, yeah. You kept sort of drip feeding one or two just to avoid getting an extra cavalry in and things like that. And then, uh, as you mentioned early on, getting the the fight five uh, from your heroes into relatively safe combats uh, where where you could trap things and get trap the pikes and things like that. Yeah, and the bows as well. Uh, getting a few few shots in as well. And, and but the the crucial thing here was. Um, the, the Dragon Knight, who I, I must say has been probably underperforming for the rest of the weekend. I mean, the previous game, he was spent his whole game either transfixed or running backwards to protect an objective. But he was absolutely on fire here. He was, absolutely. He, um, he was, yeah, I mean, he took away the whole sort of left side of my army by himself. I think if I could replay the game, the fact I was only sort of two miles away from 25-ing you in the end, I could replay the game having Suladan and Dalamir leaning towards the side the Dragon Knight was because the two of them together would, would take him out no problem and just drip feeding the Dragon Emperor that would probably be the one change I'd make I, I think the other the other mistake was potentially um, you, you kept giving him exactly the right number of warriors that he could kill so uh, it was enough to stop me heroic combating um, but it he, he just tore through every single one so when I charged you gave him four and when I didn't charge you gave him three uh, but every time I just killed them all. Uh, it, you know, all of them are defence four, so I, I, I got quite lucky on a few of the, the ones when you charged me. But still, it was it was just so many guys that you killed. And because you denied me the, the sort of, it was enough to stop me doing the heroic combat. It meant that I had might left at the end of the game to, to pressure you and, and call strikes and uh, combats towards the centre, which just may maybe edged it, especially because he got that final combat off, which. I think he killed two and then another two, so a four in the last turn. So there was a lot of killing potential still sat there, whereas if maybe if you'd have just given him one, it would have eked out that might early on. I mean, the, the thought was to kind of give him give him three so, the, so that it would tempt him into spending a might. Yeah, yeah. I thought you, you would, you'd want to do it. You'd want to get your big toys out fighting. I thought if I do the three, he'll spend the might. When he's down to one might, he's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. But, I mean, your might management was just good. And yeah. you, you didn't do it. And, um, yeah, it cost me, I suppose. The, yeah. dra- the Dragonite was the difference in the game. Oh, and, and he's he's so good. When he's within 12 of the um, Emperor, he's got the, the Legion re-roll and the other re-roll. And if he's charging, he's got four dice. So he's just almost always winning his combats against your fight for troops so it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty tough going for him and the emperor did sterling effort just reliably killing one or two models a turn 12 inch banner five fight five it was very good but having said that when you did win the fights you were doing some very good killing the, the, there's a lot of um uh, sort of trappings just because of the way the the pike block landed you got a lot of traps you got a lot of kills and you won a lot of fights with your your uh, despite being sort of out out uh, out fighted most of the time so you really pushed it close to the end. Uh, I think, what, what did we say? It was two two models off breaking me at the end, or 25% me at the end? Yeah, so we, we both broke on the exact same turn, which is the penultimate turn, and then going into the last round, you 25% of me, and I was, yeah, two models off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was close all the way. It was really very close. Frustratingly, I'd spent the whole game with a, a archer hiding behind a ruin um, who was within six inches of this special objective. We have a... a, a oath objective that only appears uh, if, if, both, if one of us uh, might have this as our secret oath and he was sat there the whole game uh, and then of course in the final turn you managed to uh, charge the dragon emperor, I didn't get my stand fast and this guy ran away so I didn't get my oath but I did get the win uh, in the end which makes it a 6-4 uh, victory to me, very very close uh, and the scoreline really does quite accurately reflect the, the way the game could have swung easily in the final turn and become a draw Yeah, absolutely, uh, I, I felt Probably from about the two-third point, you were favourite. I think up in first third, I felt like I was easily on top because my shooting was 
above statistical yeah. and then after then levelled out but the last third I, I kind of suspected I'd probably lose um, I just needed to get those two last kills in the last turn which, which didn't happen yeah. I um, think you mentioned mic management as well I, I, I was quite I, quite cautious with my mic most of the game I didn't call many heroic combats whereas I think perhaps, perhaps early on Suladan and Del, uh, Delgamar or Dalame or what, I can't remember which ones they did a couple of heroic combats that maybe didn't really do much maybe killed an extra dude or two but uh, I, I think maybe that, that could have helped because in the final turn uh, I had the priority and also I could threaten um, Dalamir with, uh, with a heroic combat and things like that so it just, just kept sucking out your might when I had I mean I had slightly more than you in the uh, no you had slightly more than me in the start but I still had one left on the Dragonite at the end yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Sullivan tried to, neither worked. I think the other might I spent just to kill one Easterling. Yes, because, because of the fight five, yeah. Yeah, because of the fight five. And it's, it's just a slog. Trying to get through the D6 was just a slog. So to spend the might to get the kill. I mean, if I didn't do it, I probably wouldn't have broken you. Yeah. Because um, you did actually lose probably more than you should have to courage tests. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, it did really help you in the late game. But either way, Tom, a cracking game. Um, I don't know what ratio put this puts you on throughout the tournament. Is that three wins and three losses? Yeah, it's three and three. So it's probably one less than I would have liked. But still, it's been a fun weekend. No bad games. Oh, well, brilliant. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. And I, I have also managed to do four wins and two losses, which is that, that crisp, crisp uh, uh, of win-loss ratio that I've been chasing for a long time. So happy days for that. And three oaths isn't bad either. So, Tom, uh, thank you very much for the final game. Uh, much appreciate it. Thanks, Harry. Cheers. Thanks for game. Now, back to the doubles. Game number six, the final game of the doubles, uh, playing Edward and Ivan in, to- or Ivan, sorry, in Total Conquest, uh, which... Essentially, is is five objectives scattered around the field. There's two points for each of them: one for breaking and one for killing the enemy leader. And uh, we're playing against uh, Edward and uh, Ivan's uh, Dunlending Horde. So, uh, Edward, if you could just give us a vague idea of what what you've got in the uh, full army. A vague idea is in what uh, what I've taken. Yeah. yeah. What did you take? Right. Uh, we've taken Thryden. Um, we've taken Thryden, Frida, Gorolf, and a chieftain. Yeah. Uh, Thryden is obviously the killing hero, with Gorolf being a very good killing hero on top of that, as well as six horsemen and a what I call bunch of Vikings. But essentially, lots of Don Lendings with a, sc- with a smattering of shields, uh, two-handed weapons, bows, as well as some Hoskals who have the, have the wonderful two-handed axe with a pike on the top, so they can also spear support, which is fantastic, um, and uh, two banners. Excellent. As well as, as, as well as also one... Yes, one wildman. One wildman somewhere who, who I think ran away in the last turn. But um, So this is an unusual one because it starts almost like a contest of champions in the middle. The emperor deploys opposite Thryden uh, and then the other half of the army deploys uh, in a maelstrom mission. And Ivan uh, essentially rolled two ones in the first turn for, for your maelstrom and y- you, the emperor was fighting against the, the other half of the army. And I think it's fair to say it was a pretty one-sided... Well, I don't, I don't think it was pretty one-sided. It was 100% one-sided. I won all of the fights. <laughs> you did say, you did win the, one, uh, win the fights at the start, but it wasn't one-sided for the entire game. No. Because but I think that, that, though, that was very important, though, because it did really, really swing the, the game one, one way, I'd have thought. No. And the, and the reason why I say no is because uh, if we were talking about kills, yes, mm. but this is not a kills game. This yeah. is an objective-based game, and that is where it really made the difference. Um, it was right at the end, unfortunately, you did, manage to, you did manage to break us, and so therefore also that helped you in terms, of, uh, in terms of getting the victory points. But there were a couple of places where if we had made our courage checks at the very end, mm. it wouldn't. It, it would have been different. So while it did help in terms of getting the kills... 
this was an objective-based game, so therefore that is what made the difference. So I wouldn't say that it would actually have swung it in your will favour or not. That, that, it, just, that it, it just helped. Yeah, I think it, it, I can see your point. I guess the, the, the fact that we had, had a bit of dominance in the middle meant that you had fewer models to then capture objectives later on and, uh, and all those sorts of things. But I mean, did you have a particular strategy in mind? Because I, I, I know that first turn you had a, a move and, and you managed to sort of trap my phalanx. Yeah, the the, strat the strategy was if we had managed to get Godolf and Frida on, would have been to to lock down the um, your uh, orc forces from coming in. Now that uh, since we rolled, since uh, Ivan, my partner, or we, because I'm also his partner, uh, rolled two ones, so we had to we had to modify our strategy. And the, I, I was the one that came up with the idea is actually instead of lo trying to lock down your orcs, let's let's split up and try and focus on the objectives. And that's and that's also something else I really, really have to bear in mind. Okay, yeah, kills are cool, but what's the objectives? Play the objectives. Play play what's going on there. And so, split uh, having our forces go appear in different places helped us to then play the objectives to to try and trap one side to focus on and also help pull your Easterlings apart. If we'd been able to do that earlier, that would have that would have really helped. But we didn't. So hmm, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, a, a cracking strategy. And as you say, you, you pinned down most of the uh, sort of three objectives were kind of yours for a long time. There was a big war over one of them. There was a tiny two or three Easterlings trying to take another one, and then a, a sort of other one over in one corner that that was was kind of to and fro. But I think it was very thinly packed on this half of the uh, board side, whereas the other half was was. Uh, kind of more safely ours and the centre was pretty much safely ours as well although there were a couple of things that could have helped you uh, take that in the final turn the Gorolf trying to heroic combat into it would have helped oh yeah sorry yes that's that Gorolf that's a heroic combat at the end which yeah, would have helped if I killed him but uh, didn't um, would have helped in terms of um, mm, it might have got you a couple extra guys, or, or maybe dispute it. I, I can't remember the exact would, numbers at the end, but it was close either it way. Would, it would have, it would have, um, no, we wouldn't have won. We would, have, we would have, uh, we would just, we just reduce the amount of victory points that you had there at the end. Now we're looking at, uh, looking in hindsight, um, it was, it was a good idea. And if we, if we had, if we had stopped, then yes. But if we, because we didn't stop, it would have only got, it would have only got you uh, uh, one victory point for the middle instead of two. Yeah. So, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. It's fair, it's fair to say the dice weren't in your favour, and I know Ivan uh, struggled particularly with that. That, that it was quite frustrating, I know, uh, at various times to uh, uh, to play. But I, I hope that it, it was an enjoyable one because I, I, I thought it was it was really well thought, really well thought, and also really well thought out your strategy in terms of trying to get those objectives, even if it did end in a seven-two loss to you. Yeah, I have fun. Yeah, that's that's all that's all I care about. If I if I have fun, yeah, okay, I lost, well, whatever, but. Uh, for those for those of my for those of who know me, i.e., all my friends and the local community I play with, they know that I am usually the one who who rolls really badly. So mm. no matter what I do, I always roll badly. So I just have fun with it, to be honest. Well, fair enough. And, and people can see you on a Twitch channel. I do. Do you video games or is it uh, yes. other kinds of gaming? Yes, yes, yes. Um, my Twitch channel is uh, Games and Tea. So please uh, do visit me on that. I usually stream Thursdays, Thursdays Fridays, and Sundays. Um, usually Thursdays and Fridays is uh, a D and D campaign, which I uh, run. It's a homebrew campaign. So if you're into that, please feel free to pop by. Um, Fridays is usually a video game of some sort. So at this present moment, I'm doing a um, what's the what's, what's the word? I'm doing a playthrough of the. My brain's gone to sleep. Warhammer 40,000 Chaos Gates uh, game, so please feel free to pop by on that. Um, otherwise, 
just pop by when you like. It's okay. Games and Tea. Games and Tea. Thank you very much for the game, Edward. M- much appreciated. Let's bring Michael in for a final uh, final conflab at the end of the uh, the, the doubles here. Because um, I, I, I mean, it's, the, the guys, they actually had a very, very good chance of winning that game towards, uh, towards the end. I think... Um, we, we killed a lot of stuff in the middle, but that wasn't the objective, as, uh, as Edward pointed out a few times. Yeah, perversely, Ivan not coming on the first turn, when he did come on, because his two warbands came on a different size, it meant they could pressurise three different objectives. Mm. So although we had we'd done well in the centre, um, we actually kept both our warbands came on in the same side, mm. so we couldn't spread out as quickly. Yeah. So I think in some ways, Ivan delaying coming on helped and, and almost tipped the balance yeah. in terms of their favour. Thankfully, things like the spiders helped a little bit with that mm. extra bit of mobility um, and, and yeah and taking down Thryden as well finally so yeah, yeah so it, it, it worked well for us in the end but it could have got away yeah and, and I think the, the crucial thing here was that we did we killed so much stuff so quickly in the middle that they just didn't have the numbers to to spread out or, or even hold the Easterlings in place very long and then the Easterlings could move off to all the other objectives or certainly two of the, the, the flank objectives and, and pressure those forces there rather than just let them take the objectives yeah indeed and this is also with these sort of split five objectives there's also that question mark the conundrum what to do with the Dragon Emperor mm. with it, and he's got great banner it is only one foot though so you've mm. got to think about where he goes yeah. which forces are left behind and have to fend for themselves yeah. so it, yeah it was a good game though Yeah, it was good uh, and so in the end it ends up with two wins to us two draws and two losses I believe yeah. and nice and even Stephen even Stevens indeed you may now be rapidly doing calculations in your head the flip flopping made it difficult to follow and that was partially intentional I wanted to to kind of obscure the result uh, in the end uh, of the Ardicon, for me anyway. Um, I, I'll say now in advance, uh, there'll be no interview with the winner of the tournament. Uh, it was Jay Clare, uh, the multi-time champion of various different tournaments, uh, including, uh, I don't know whether he's won the main event at Ardicon a couple of times, and the, the sort of champion, the Masters as well at Ardicon, and, and has just regularly topped tables everywhere. There's probably been plenty uh, of uh, list sort of analysis of uh, Jay Clare's list, but he uh, succeeded uh, in a 650-point tournament uh, with over, I don't know the exact number anymore, but a uh, hundred and something people uh, with Celeborn uh, and Galadriel and I think someone else, maybe not even someone else, it might have been two full warbands and that's it. Uh, either way, um, he, he sought out to prove that, prove that Celeborn doesn't need a horse and... By all, by the evidence he's provided, uh, he certainly doesn't need a horse, uh, or at least not in the hands of Jay Clare. So that's the winner of the tournament. But how did I fare in the total, in the tally of things? So, um, as you heard just there at the end, even Stevens in the doubles, uh, Michael, uh, ever able assistant, and certainly helped me through some uh, some fun games and some tricky games, um, and just generally had a, a delightful two days playing doubles with him. I was actually I was really glad that the doubles was two days long this time. Um, I know uh, for some people that means an extra day off holiday, and it certainly meant the same for me. But uh, I think it added a little bit of value for the tournament, um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, doubles was was a delight having all the games and playing all the scenarios as well and two wins two draws and two losses i mean you can't really argue with that it's a fair fair result it's it's slightly more positive than um you know three wins and three losses so i can i can go with that that was great um so i was really happy with that result um and it showed that the you know the dragon emperor has definitely has some legs um he's got quite a lot of legs he's got uh, six guys carrying him hasn't he but um it's uh, it's certainly worth doing and alongside the Razgush um, Musga combo as well worked really nicely so that's one thing 
but how about the main event? Uh, we heard earlier on from my dismay, having lost uh, two games and uh, uh, one uh, on the first day, uh, and sort of, uh, well, basically, I think in the end it was uh, two games and two losses uh, on the first day, so that was four. Uh, games um, on the first day and then two on the, the second day. Um, but I did lost the first two in a row, so needed to win four in a row in order to uh, succeed what I've been setting out to achieve after all this time. And did I? Yes, I did. Very proud uh, to say that um, despite some incredibly tough games, some really, really fantastic opponents, um, and under very, actually very quite difficult circumstances, and we mentioned it quite a few times during the course of the tournament, this was a hot hot tournament the the number of people in the room the fact that it was uh 40 degrees or getting close to 40 degrees the record temperatures were uh were either just on the way or had just been um and it was insanely hot um in that hall the air conditioning wasn't working at all everyone was roasting hot so it it made it you know not just sweaty in the sense of it being difficult because the player and the standard is so much higher uh, the caliber is uh, higher um, it also made it difficult because and sweaty because it was just hot. So um, I was really, really proud to have. Uh, maybe it was endurance, but I was really proud to to play uh, two games uh, and win and lose them both, and then uh, go on four in a row uh, and win four in a row to have my uh, positive win loss ratio, which is what I've been setting out to achieve um, at Alicon after all this time. So really happy with that result and it may well mean that I refocus my mind and try and make something else good uh, and of course with the rings of power on the way or now actually arrived I kind of think I'd want to do something from that kind of age so let's see how we can make the Numenorians great again we'll see uh, anyway uh, that will that that can be maybe a, a future episodes discussion but either way I'm very proud of the result uh, it was a fantastic tournament and uh, yeah I just really really enjoyed myself Articon is a very good tournament um, it's it's an expensive event it's an expensive weekend um, because you've got you know hotels or whatever for three days um, I stayed in Airbnb down the way and saved a bit of money doing that um, food and so on is expensive the tournament ticket is expensive at £100 but there's something about it that just, there's so many people from all across the world from you know from the corners of Europe every corner of Europe to the North America to Australia there's just so many people there and it was absolutely incredible um to see these people uh, and meet some people for like for example the unexpected podcast uh, people um coming from America uh, you know it was great to see those guys um who I've uh, listened to the podcast quite a lot of uh, over the last year or so uh, and there are many other um, people that I are too numerous to mention that just sort of shaking hands with and saying hello and have a brief chat uh, uh, some of my opponents who mentioned that they like the podcast and um, so you know it, it's, it's just a fantastic way of of uniting um uniting this this community which is a small community but um feels very connected in a place like this so it's really fantastic uh, experience once more and with that it's pretty much the end of the episode but i did tease you earlier didn't i oh yes i did i teased you earlier with uh, the competition um, basically i mean i don't really know uh, whether it's a competition that i'm running i don't really want it to be sort of merit based and i know that sounds strange um but i just want it really to be a name out of a hat kind of situation um because i, I want everyone to have a chance um so i, I guess 
what I'd like you to do for me is just email me entmootpodcast at gmail.com with a name for an episode of Entmoot. Sounds simple and it could literally be anything. Um, coming up we've got lots of different tournaments um, but probably the one that I'll be renaming for you uh, will be the Battle for Unnumbered Tears uh, which I'm heading to in uh, I want to say October sometime so there's plenty of time for you to get your emails in um, uh, and uh, Lord of the Imps. Oh no, let, well, maybe do Lord of the Imps. Anyway, uh, either uh, I will rename the episode uh, based around the Lord of the Imps or around the Battle for Unnumbered Tears. Uh, Lord of the Imps being my tournament uh, and Battle for Unnumbered Tears being a, a sort of major long-running tournament uh, in certain Ashfield uh, in Nottinghamshire. And um, essentially all I want from you is a slight pun really uh, about it could be a not very punny, it could be anything um, that's vaguely hinted around the Easterlings or, uh, yeah, let's go with just around the Easterlings or maybe you have some other creative name for uh, a, a podcast maybe linked to uh, finally getting the positive win ratio. Maybe it could be just a simple whatever. Um, and if you can't think of a funny name, don't worry. It's As I say, it's not based on merit. Um, I'm going to essentially award the prize to someone that's randomly pulled out the hat and then the second prize will be uh, whoever has the best name for me. So send an email saying entmootpodcast at gmail.com saying I'd like you to call the next episode of Entmoot X and it could be episode you could literally put episode 61 from John and I'll put your name in the hat John if that's what you want to do that's fine um but I just want to give away two of these magazines these SPG magazines uh, you could even make the pun around uh, the SPG magazines I'll give you plenty of time uh, and I might read out some suggestions in the next episode before the time is up so maybe you get some more ideas but just email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com um, with your suggestion for an entmoot podcast name uh, perhaps reflecting on my victories perhaps reflecting on the inaccessibility of uh, or impossibility I should say of the Numenorean victories who knows um, come up with something fun and I'll uh, I'll enjoy it and hopefully we'll have a nice pun Podcast um, at gmail.com and you will win two SBG magazines and SBG magazines are very very high quality magazines uh, there's a recommended donation of £10 uh, per fanzine because I don't think they're allowed to physically sell them, um, but they're fantastic. So uh, this is essentially a prize worth £20 plus international postage, if that's where you are. So uh, it, it could be worth quite a lot of money um, to uh, to you. So please do uh, send the podcast, uh, send the email in and I will read out some of those uh, ideas. In the next episode, uh, which may well be a week, although I did promise this Articon podcast the week um, of the second week of August and is now September. So um, I'll apologise for that, um, but uh, it will come out at some point. I'm always keen to do more podcasts and more content for you. Uh, sometimes life gets in the way, but often it returns to toy soldiers eventually. Um, a quick plug as well for my um, BBC documentary. Um, I have posted some links to this on the Entmoot Facebook page. Um, essentially, uh, the reason this podcast has been delayed so long is because I've been working on a podcast, uh, well, sort of a programme for uh, the BBC, uh, for BBC Radio Nottingham, um, of course, where Warhammer World is from. And I made a documentary thing, including lots of different people from uh, the Warhammer World, including, but not limited to, well, actually is limited to, um, Rick Priestley, uh, of course, the writer of Warhammer and Lord of the Rings uh, strategy battle game uh, and, you know, one of the 
co-creators of the Warhammer fantasy world and 40k. Uh, Ian Livingston, one of the co-founders of Games Workshop, um, who helped f- basically start the business out the back of his van, uh, off the back of selling a few Dungeons and Dragons games um, in London. Uh, also included are Jervis Johnson, who uh, of course has written many, many rule books for many systems and uh, of course wrote the original rules for Blood Bowl and uh, the original rules for Age of Sigma uh, and plenty of other rules in between and is actually soon to be releasing some rules for uh, uh, War Games Illustrated um, uh, to basically uh, link up with the Perry Twins, uh, the sculptors, um, and uh, so look out for that. Uh, also, um, Trish Carden, a sculptor, she's famous for being called Monster Girl, uh, a nickname she earned from Peter Jackson uh, because she uh, made the Shelob model and various other monsters and dinosaurs and dragons and all those sorts of things. Uh, who else is in there? There's plenty of people, including John Stallard from the owner of Warlord Games, um, a former Games Workshopper himself, but creator or sort of founder of Warlord Games, the historical miniatures manufacturing company, is a tour of the factory included in that. Uh, Duncan Rhodes uh, of the Painting Academy fame. Uh, so plenty of people who are worth listening to. Um, and that, if you search, uh, if you have BBC Sounds or just search um, Warhammer Story, BBC Knots or something like that in Google, hopefully it will come up or just check my Facebook page. And at some point, depending on what BBC Nottingham wants to do, um, there may well be the original uh, full interviews with those people um, released here on Entmoot. Um, and this is all, uh, basically, this is dependent on the rights situation with um, the BBC. If the BBC wants to keep that programme up forever, um, it may do, it may not. Um, or they, uh, they, there's talks about potentially keeping um, sort of a, a non-music version uh, online forever. If that's the case, sadly, the rest of the interviews will be sort of waylaid um, just because of the way the BBC works, essentially. Um, but if they, if it doesn't stay up there forever, Entmoot fans uh, will get a trickle of um, pure solid gold interviews lasting around 20 minutes each with people like Ian Livingston, uh, Jervis Johnson, Rick Priestley, uh, Duncan Rhodes, and so on. Um, so uh, you, And Trish Carden. Um, so you never know. Um, either there'll be a documentary there for you to listen to in the short term, which is fantastic, or um, there may well be... Um, uh, a, a trickle of interviews that aren't necessarily Entmooty, and I'll sort of rebrand them in a different way, but they're fascinating to Lord of the Rings fans and uh, and Warhammer fans in general. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to trickle those out uh, to the masses at some point. But anyway, uh, thanks very much for listening. It's been a very gargantuan episode and it's been waylaid, but I hope you've enjoyed the uh, the coverage of Ardicon. Um, six games uh, off uh, each tournament, uh, all smashed together into one massive episode. It's almost Green Dragon-esque in its length at this point, but I really appreciate you listening and we will be back. Don't you worry. Boo, I run. <laughs>